Exacto. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Uh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Troy. With me, as always, my co-host, Jason. And it's much nicer to be out of the actual host chair. It's much more relaxing <laughs> over here in the co-host chair. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. I, I thoroughly enjoyed when I was actually a guest on the Rundown instead of running the Rundown, but... I digress. It is episode 317. What? One episode away from 316. And I am back. Jason has graciously replaced Justin with me after replacing me with Justin. So, uh, but great episode last week. Again, check out Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. But we have a lot to get through. And let's start off with a recap of Tender Loving Cunts. I thought we weren't Ian. using that word anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. No. No, I'm going to keep using it. All right. So, speaking of cunts, the first match, Sasha Banks defeated Alicia Fox via submission on the Mountain Dew Kickstart show. Yeah, and this was exactly how it should be because there is no scenario under which Alicia Fox should score a win over Sasha Banks. So, this went exactly the way this scenario should work forever and ever <sighs> yeah weird weird i uh, i don't i don't know why anyone would ever think that alicia fox would get a win or you know any kind of spotlight put on her no not at but all apparent, yeah uh the kickoff match for the actual show proper saw asuka taking on the multi-championship winning Hall of Fame-worthy competitor in Emma, and Asuka was able to somehow come up with a victory via submission over Emma. Yeah, uh, sadly enough, this was in fact the singles pay-per-view debut for both competitors because despite being in the company for like seven years, uh, Emma has yet to actually compete prior to this in a singles match on a pay-per-view event because... I, I don't fucking know. Um, but in any event, this was uh, a match I was not a fan of. Uh, some of our other former and current co-hosts were more pleased with this match than I guess I was uh, for at least 24 hours until they realized they were completely wrong and I was 100% right. Uh, my biggest issue with this one was I, I just sort of felt like 
Asuka needed to be debuted as sort of a killer, a uh, real badass. Uh, to me, this match should have been basically kick to the fucking head, Asuka lock, it's over. Um, maybe a little bit more here or there. Instead, it was booked sort of like a 50-50 match, and at the end of the day, I, I, I don't think Asuka came out looking special to an audience that didn't know her going into it. And this is the sort of case where I'm not usually a fan of squash matches um, because I would rather see somebody get showcased to show me what they can do. But with the caveat that it be against somebody who is established. And even though Emma has been with the company for 14 years, I don't consider her to be an established singles superstar. I consider her to be somebody who continues to be kind of on the fringe of that where you think, okay, she's either going to be a jobber or she's going to go forward. I think if you would have had Asuka take on Sasha Banks and it'd be a competitive match and Asuka get the win, that is, is a far better booking decision for Asuka than to have her against Emma, who has been a glorified jobber. Um, the only thing that would have been worse, of course, would have been to go against Alicia Fox. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, <clears throat> you obviously don't want to blow the wad of having the Asuka-Sasha Banks match in on night one. This was right. a perfect matchup for her in terms of her debut, somebody who she should be able to squash based on what they've told us Emma is prior to this. Um, now, I know you you know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway for purposes of being entertaining on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, if I said to you, head pat, slap, forearm, elbow drop, shoulder in the corner, body scissors, what would that mean to you? That's like a... Um, <laughs> That's like your third ever professional wrestling match. That's what they allow you to do so you don't injure your opponents. <laughs> what that actually was, and, and Sal will know this because this is how this came up, uh, that was the entire body of offense that Dana Brooke got in in a five-minute match with Asuka in her NXT debut. Uh, the discussion yeah. at the time was, oh, well, her NXT debut against Emma was was competitive too. And first off, it wasn't against Emma. It was against Dana Brooke. And that's not fucking competitive. Dana Brooke did some stuff, but the story they told was every time Dana did something, Asuka had a counter for it or it barely affected her and she came right back. That's right. what they needed to do here. Right. Um, I, I look at it as, you know, uh, yeah, I, it's been a while since I've actually done a show, but NXT Revisited does this very well when they introduce people where, you know, even a guy like Big E, you know, when he first came in, his first match, the guy got in like two or three licks, but Big E instantly got up, got pissed, and then squashed him. You can do those kinds of spots where somebody does get a little bit of offense, but yeah, you should not see Asuka on the ground holding her gut because she's hurt or, you know, or in this case, especially in this match, kind of stealing a win a little bit where, you know, it was, if it wasn't for, you know, a, a well-timed spot, a well-timed counter, you know, you, this could, could have gone the other way. That's not the way that you want to see your, your debuting focal point of, of the division in the future. Cause that's what all that we've been, been hearing from Asuka is she's this huge undefeated streak. You know, if, if like 50 matches into Goldberg's streak, 
he suddenly was against Disco Inferno and Disco Inferno was, you know, doing leg grapevines to him and hitting top rope, you know, <laughs> drop kicks and stuff like that. You'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, yeah, it and especially because you you everyone needs to remember that the NXT audience in terms of the WWE universe is maybe 5% of the WWE universe. Maybe 10%, you could go that high. The numbers are are very very low. So this for for a lot of people is the very first time they've seen Asuka. And Raw is the rest of the audience seeing Asuka for the very first time, the ones who didn't see the pay-per-view. And your first impression of it is exactly the same impression you get of Bobby Roode, where you're like, okay, well, you know, Bobby Roode's first match, he squeaked out a victory over Dolph Ziggler. Right. Stole, he didn't stole, dominate him. Pinned him by yeah. grabbing the tights, yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll get into it a little bit more. We'll we'll say, uh, you know, pump the brakes on this conversation a little bit more with Asuka and Emma. But all in all, yeah, a little disappointing in that one. Um, moving on to a match that because we needed to fill time on the card. Uh, the black guys beat the white guys as Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan defeated Zach, J- Jack Gallagher and the Brian Kendrick. Uh, I enjoy Cedric and Rich as a team. This match was what it was. It was space filler on the show. Um, there was nothing earth shattering. There was nothing significant, nothing of any real import going forward. Uh, it was supposed to pop the crowd. It did it in a couple spots and then we moved on really. I mean, I hate to say it cause they're all talented competitors, but this was really just there to fill space. Uh, but Jason, why, why do you suppose that Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan decided to become a tag team? Uh, I don't know. They're both. They're both black. I don't think. <laughs> well, I don't necessarily know that that's why. Okay. Then why wouldn't Cedric Alexander maybe team with Mustafa Ali or Jack know. Gallagher? Maybe they just don't have enough in common. Oh, well, because they're not black. All right. So the <laughs> women's championship match, <laughs> uh, a, a, a showcase of Mickey James, but still Alexa Bliss, your champion as she retains over mick james i have mixed feelings on this one um by and large i thought they told good stories i thought the overriding theme of the match played into it i thought they did a lot of good stuff um maybe it's just my overly critical eye at points that i i saw a lot of points where there was a a hesitation and wait for alexa to be in the right spot uh there was a brutal trend a brutal um sequence where she went to there there was supposed to be a kick a spin kick and alexa didn't sell it the first time and then they went and did it again and alexa sold it uh and then there was a really brutal drop kick off the top rope where somebody wasn't where they were supposed to be um other than that i thought it was really good so there were a couple there were a couple of very noticeable spots but all in all i thought it was a good match i was entertained by it and uh Ultimately, I guess the right person won, although, you know, I, I could have been down for a Mickey James quick title run. Yeah, I mean, and, and padding the, uh, uh, you know, Alexa Bliss's title reigns wouldn't hurt her either. You know, she's already a two-time champion, but, you know, making her a three-time champion, sure, I'm fine with it. Well, she's she's held um, the women's championship, like, what, four or five times now, if you count both brands. Yeah, if you cut both brands, yeah, I was just talking about Bob Ross specific, but yeah, I mean, giving her a couple more title runs, that's fine. She's had a nice long run here, so even if you did take it off of her for a month or two, that's fine because Alexa, we've seen, works 
as the champion or as the challenger. You know, she does does a great job of selling selling either side of it. So, you know, there are some people that once they get that belt, they're dog shit. And there are other people that, you know, are great when they have the belt, but not great as a challenger. But she seems to excel at both versions of it. So, yeah. And I will say as much as I did enjoy this, what they did on Raw, which we'll get to in a little bit, I really, really fucking enjoyed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the Cruiserweight Championship is back where it belongs, I guess, because <laughs> Enzo Amore defeated Kalisto via uh, crowd disengagement and piss breaks all around. <laughs> yeah, I, it was what it was. I, to, to be honest, I thought Enzo had a better showing than I expected him to have. It was entertaining. Uh, again, if you go into a cruiserweight match expecting Enzo to be doing, you know, 450 splashes and pescadas, it's not going to happen. Um, but you know, he's in the right weight class. He wrestles a decent match with them. He seemed to be slipping a lot in that match. I don't know if it's just the soles of his shoes or something. It was weird, but there seemed a lot of spots where he was just kind of slipping around the ring. Um, all in all, I didn't have a problem with it. The belt's back where it should have been all along and should have never done the title change in the first place. But it, it we, I guess we've sort of course corrected and, and we're back to where we should be. My, my favorite part about this is that. If if you were to tell me that a one-time NXT Tag Team Champion, a one-time Cruiserweight Champion, and a two-time United States Champion was Kalisto, I'd be like, no, there's no fucking way he won that many championships. Because nobody gives a shit about him. <laughs> and then that sucks because he's so talented. He's so fucking talented. And they... Rather it be just him getting thrown to a dumpster or or you know, or or his whole lucha things and stuff like that. I I don't know, because I mean when he was on the Indies he was great. Um, you know, I was really excited when they signed him into the WWE and, and he was good in NXT, you know, and the Lucha Dragons <clears throat> excuse me, were fine. Um but man, oh man, like this guy does not move the needle for anybody at this point. Well, and uh, the important thing is now that he's lost the cruiserweight title, the question is how long until he walks out and leaves the company? Oh boy, oh boy! If uh, if Twitter had, uh, would allow me to, you know, if, if Twitter wouldn't have a statute of limitations on on their their lifetime bans for people, uh, I I had a whole new gimmick that I was going to try to debut, but <laughs> it didn't it, it it didn't work very well. So yeah. Um, I, I could see that. I could see him quitting. Yeah. Uh, and and um, just since yeah, it's not covered in the perfect 10, just a little bit of a follow-up in that same vein. Uh, and I don't expect anybody to know this because nobody watches 205 Live, but apparently Neville was removed from the opener to 205 Live further. Mm. Fueling speculation, he is in fact done with the company. So, uh, I think the fact that uh, Nia Jax took to Twitter <clears throat> and you know, was was calling or was talking about what happened on Monday. Tells you everything you need to know about what her situation compared to Neville's situation. Yeah, we'll cover more uh, on her stuff a little bit later on, though. Yeah, so I'm, it would appear that, yeah, that we might uh, we might be getting a new Bullet Club member very soon. So, Oh, yeah, um, and he'll and be speak- one of the most over things in the independent world because oh, he's yeah. been he'll, he's drastically, make a ton of money. drastically underutilized by this company. Right, right. Speaking of Bullet Club, uh, the demon, Finn Balor, defeated Sister Abigail via pinfall after you could No, 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 no. That's, that's actually not a thing that happened. What? Nope. Yeah, no. 
No, he 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 hit the coup de gras. Well, he did, and he did get a pinfall, but it, it wasn't Sister Abigail. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, no, Sister Abigail has AIDS, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, couldn't compete. Okay, so the AIDS got her. So who? So so who was the who was the long-haired woman in the ring? No, 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 that was. It, I can understand your confusion. It looked like a soccer mom, but it was in fact one of the greatest performers in the world today, uh, the phenomenal AJ Styles. I thought he looked familiar. Okay, that's and, and I get it. See, I now, get it. He's on SmackDown, so that would confuse you because okay. that would make no fucking sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you've got a thinking, roster like, full like, of Raw guys that you could have yeah. put in that spot. Um, but no, it was it was in fact AJ Styles in in the dream match. Um, you know, all joking aside, first off, by the way, uh, so Bray Wyatt has, you know, whatever dysentery, whatever the fuck it is that they, that's going on over there. Um, but should, shouldn't Sister Abigail be fine? Like, they're, they're different people, right? That's what they tried would to think tell so. us. You would, you would think he'd be able to overcome his AIDS by channeling Sister Abigail, because unless she died of AIDS, she should be fine. Yeah, so... Or, or he I, fucked you, his sister, either way, I mean... Yeah, that's true too. So, um, if if only he had some acolytes who could take his place in this match, um, but instead, yeah, instead they're like, okay, we've we've got a little problem. We've got this kind of a this epidemic going around our locker room. We want to try to limit it to just the raw people so we don't affect SmackDown. So, oh, now, who when can you we say get epidemic? To, uh, to are you go? talking about are you talking about the uh, the illness or the horrible creative? uh both okay. so we're like okay well um how can we make sure that this doesn't spread got it let's put a smackdown guy on the show so uh i would expect to see that uh, uh sammy zane's gonna co- contract aids very soon but yeah and then of course from kevin the moment we were yes the moment that we were all waiting for at the end of this match a too sweet from the demon and sister abigail do you think they're gonna send them a cease and desist letter uh, I don't think that they can. I don't think you can legally send yourself a cease and desist letter. But I'm sure that if they they can figure out a way, they can try it. Uh, I do. I do see that Finn Balor said that Vince had nothing to do with that because I know there was speculation that they they put that spot in there just to kind of remind everyone that that is a thing that WWE owns. Apparently, you, you know, because hand gestures is a thing that you can own now. So I'm I'm assuming they're going to try to. To get the little finger guns that Jeff Hardy does as part of the trademark too. So look out, all of you '80s guys. Yeah, I, all honestly, right, and- honestly, all joking aside, I thought the match was was really good. Um, Finn Balor sort of miss miss. I don't know how to say it. It wasn't really a botch, but just sort of didn't execute the coup de gras entirely perfectly typically he'll he'll shift his weight so he falls backwards in this case he didn't and he just came down full fucking weight right on the stomach of aj styles um who like has, he was gonna cave in his fucking chest <laughs> yeah who has great abs so hopefully that helped yeah. him um but my guess is aj is not shitting right for a week uh Probably. but in any event yeah the match was really good i enjoyed it i was a little surprised that finn went over just clean as a whistle there um and ultimately, you went into it like, why the fuck are we doing this? I mean, we're happy we're doing it, but why are we doing it? Uh, I think we sort of found out later on Raw uh, sort of part of the story as to why we were doing this. But uh, all things considered, to me, the only real disappointment I had with this was that they didn't find a way to involve Gallows and Anderson somehow. Yeah, I mean, they weren't doing anything. 
Uh, oh boy. Now, Jason Jordan somehow managed to get himself booked in a match against Elias, oh, no well, last name given. I, I can tell you how he got himself in a match. Via throwing vegetables I, well, at Elias. He, and, that's and of course, being my black son. Yes, the, I know. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I was going <laughs> to say he got into the match by tossing a salad. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you should have you should have put that in the rundown here. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess. I mean, obviously they needed to fill some time, so they're like, "What can we do?" All right, let's turn to our you know award winning creative team who comes up who came up with great things like turning Finn Balor into a pumpkin. <laughs> uh, what what can we do uh, to set up a really quick feud? I know. Let's have the black guy. Throw produce at the uh, the bearded white guy over there, and let's just call it a match. Yeah, so that happens. All right, moving. <laughs> moving <laughs> do right do we along. really need to say anything more about that? I mean, Jason Jordan no. won the match, uh, and I don't yeah. think anybody listening to this is using us as their way of getting results. But if they are, Jason Jordan won the match, and you really don't give a shit to go back and watch it. Right, yeah. All right, in our main event, and surprisingly, the only gimmick match on the show. The one of these days we're going to have a Hell in a Cell match uh, pay per view without a Hell in a Cell pay per view on it. Match. I know, right? We're getting there. We're getting there because we had a TLC match where the Shield. Whoops, sorry. Nope. Part of the Shield and Kurt Angle took on and a garbage truck and a garbage truck took on the Miz. Sheamus and Cesaro, Braun Strowman, Kane, The Undertaker, John Cena, and half of the uh, half of the SmackDown roster, and still managed to pick up the victory by a couple angle slams. And of course, Kurt Angle decided to be one of the hip kids and dress like the cool kids do, and showed up in Shield gear and did the entrance with Ambrose and Rollins. So, question: Yes, how big? How big is Kurt Angle's anus? After getting fisted by the brothers. Well, see, my, my favorite part of this whole thing was the opening when they're doing the entrance and, and Dean and Seth are up there. And then Kurt just slides in there. And I don't know if you saw there was a meme going around the internet that was like, when, you, when you're a make-a-wish kid and your wish is to do the shield <laughs> entrance. And yep. Kurt's got this face on him like he's just some little kid who's totally enamored. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was priceless. Uh, yeah, obviously this came about as a result of the Roman Reigns thing. This happened after we recorded last week, so we haven't actually had a chance to discuss it. Apparently Roman Reigns also got the AIDS this week and uh, was unable to be, take part in t- Tender Love and Care. And um, the upshot is with no real promotion, no real build, no nothing, uh, for the first time in, what, eight years, Kurt Angle was competing in the WWE ring. Look, uh, to me, there are a million and one people you could have used here. Right off the top of my head, I think Jericho would have been fine. He has experience filling in with Ambrose as a tag team partner in the past. Um, it would have made some sense. Granted, he's on SmackDown, but yeah, so is fucking Kane. Um, <laughs> I would have saved the Kurt Angle return for a bigger story, for a better angle than just kind of a throw-in. I understand why they did it. They made a big deal about the special part of this pay-per-view being the Shield reunion. And if you're not getting the full Shield reunion, you got to do something equally special. I totally understand all that. I personally, as a fan, 
as a fan of good storytelling, would have loved a better way to see Kurt Angle come back. Other than that, I'm fine that they did it. Uh, my bigger issue is that the match just was it was overbooked as all hell. Um, there were a lot of spots where it was nonsensical. Um, Kane and Strowman out of nowhere start fighting with each other. Um, yeah. Strowman gets murdered for like the fourth pay-per-view. Um, cause you know, we still haven't seen him yet. So I'm assuming he's just dead. Um, yeah, they, they, they literally compacted him into a small little cube of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. So, um, yeah. And that to me is the, the really, fu- you know, we mock some of the shitty stuff they did in the attitude era and Russo gets a ton of shit. But when Russo did stupid shit, like it was dude gets hit by a car, you know, dude gets attacked by a bunch of random mystery guys. Like it was at least feasible, realistic shit from which someone could come back. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe fucking, you know, encased in a concrete cell was, yeah, never mind. Um, but when getting hit f- by a car. Well, you can get come back from getting hit by a car. Um, getting buried, getting buried alive. Yeah, if you get, you know, if you have lightning bolts that come out and shock you, and yeah, you know, there's, there's a whole process to survive that, but it's possible. Um, getting pushed off a Titan Tron. Yeah, I mean, people have lived through that. I mean, the giant, <laughs> the giant got pushed off a fucking MGM Grand and won the same, won the World Heavyweight Championship in the same night. Yeah, that's true. Um, but this was just like really you. you you're going to sell us that a dude got sent into a garbage truck and compacted, and then he's going to show up. Ne- I'm surprised he wasn't on Raw this week, uh, yeah. but he's going to show up next week and be perfectly fine. Yeah, probably. And I, I guess enter into Feud with Kane. I would get a really skinny guy that sort of looks like him and put him in a similar outfit. Yeah. And say that's him. Just, like he got really squished. Yeah. Or um, get a fatter guy and just say that he got squished the opposite way. I know Cassius Ono isn't doing anything right now. So, uh, What does Braun Strowman's collection of basketball jerseys look like? Ooh, I don't know. I will have to look into that. I assume he's got a couple. Um, so we uh, um, now. Oh, man, I have a good transition for this, but I can't transition into the perfect 10 because we need to put space to put the, the perfect 10 thing in there because i've got a good transition into our first topic but instead i'm gonna have to go ahead and throw that one into the garbage because cue the perfect 10 the perfect 10 a 10 a 10 a fucking 10 all right now just say it as though that music never happened okay okay uh so kurt angle was able to take on two monsters two legit badasses and the Miz. But for some reason, was a complete pussy when the son of a billionaire came out to the ring when SmackDown invaded Raw. So, this is going to be the the kind of biggest story of the week, but it's also the one that we've got the most content to because we've got a sale email, which I will read in a second. We've got a Troy rant in terms of Survivor Series. <laughs> And we've got Natalia brushing the cock of Zach. Oh no 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 no! We got to put this up on the face on the Runbook Facetime page. This wasn't a brush. This was a full-on grab. Like this was, I'm massaging the head a little bit with my thumb. So okay, now that's a still picture, and and I I don't mean to shit on this, but I watched this again, 
and it seemed a little bit more like a cup check than anything because she did she go look at Ryder's face his reaction tells you everything you need to know yeah she definitely probably felt helmet that's for (laughs) sure um but yes um in uh, we'll we'll just we'll just get into that little aspect of it because i did like the what led what led up to that as well because obviously the the big thing was that smackdown came down and invaded raw let me put a pin in that because i'm going to get to why that makes no sense in a second Okay, now but, is your is your rant specific to Survivor Series or is it specific to this event? Because I had a rant about this event as well. I have two rants then. <laughs> well, fuck, because I can't take a, up all the ranting space on the show. Because because I think we're I think we're gonna have a lot to of of, of in common things to say in regards to to SmackDown invading Raw and and the participants of this, and I think that we're also going to have some of the similar thoughts to the Survivor Series thing. But All right, let's focus on do, the important shit about yeah, Natalia grabbing Zack Ryder's cock. Let's focus on the important thing. So towards the end of this kind of uh, numerous little backstage vignettes that we had of SmackDown destroying the fucking Raw roster, the entire crowd of them kind of stopped, and we saw the women standing tall, ready to, I guess, take on the dudes. Uh, then the men kind of parted back and all of the SmackDown women came forward. And when they did, Natalia had to go past Zack Ryder and did not allow enough room for her <laughs> to get past him. And instead brushed her hand very tenderly on Zack's little rider. I still object to the word brushed here. Okay. I, I've seen that picture. There's nothing brushing about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, uh, it was I, like cool. the fingers are wrapped around the fucking balls, yeah. dude. Like, yeah. I mean, but also you know, from I'm, that same moment, we've gotten a ton of great memes of Dana Brooke because as she was running away, the camera caught her. And now, if you go on her Instagram and and shit, there's all sorts of she's photoshopped herself running away from like Tyrannosaurus Rex and like there's all sorts of good shit, and it's actually kind of funny. So I laughed at some of that shit. Nice. So yeah. Um, so we'll go ahead and get to a little bit more of that, um, in a second here. I'm sorry, my baby's crying. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so the, the overarching kind of thread of this was that, yeah, SmackDown evaded Raw. Now I'm going to go ahead and start off by saying Shinsuke Nakamura and Baron Corbin worked together, Dolph Ziggler and Shinsuke Nakamura worked together in invading raw that was something that happened too Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode currently in a feud with each other I guess pretty sure Rusev, no, pretty sure Rusev is feuded with everybody else that was there at one point or another yeah not to mention a good five or six of these individuals were also a member of raw a few short months ago before the superstar shakeup happened but for <sighs> some reason yeah for some reason, they're like, nope, because we were red and they were blue. Nope, sorry, because we were blue and they were red. <laughs> can, Already drunk. Go ahead. Can we just point out that the one of the people leading the charge for the, the blue team there was the guy known as the fucking Lone Wolf? That is true as well. Yes. The Lone Wolf was there. Now, thankfully... Sammy and Kevin were not forced to be in there. But AJ Styles had no problem beating up Finn Balor, despite the fact that they too-sweeted the night before 
to show respect to each other, but had no fucking issue at all with beating the fuck out of a guy who he clearly respects. And Matt Hardy, who wasn't even around when the brand split happened, was also a target for these guys. Now, I have no problem at all with Chad Gable going after Jason Jordan. That makes fucking total sense. No, not really, because even Gable said, oh, we're still friends and blah, blah, blah. They did put over the whole thing where there was no animosity about it. Mm-hmm. I suppose. But it sounds like you have an epic rant and I have a child that needs to uh, be shut up for a second here. So take it away. <laughs> uh, well, my bi- so I have a lot of issues with this and some of them uh, are the ones that Troy just touched on. Uh, but over and above all that is just the complete way they represented the SmackDown brand. And in particular, Shane McMahon, because if you recall, Shane is in the middle of a storyline with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And the crux of that storyline is that Shane is the sympathetic babyface who is being ganged up on by two bullies in the form of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. So fast forward to Raw, where Shane comes out, and acts like a douchebag, organizes an all-out assault on the Olympic gold medalist who just had the really great feel-good moment the night before, and an entire roster full of innocent people who just happened to show up for fucking work. That's the only mistake they made. They came to work on a show where they wear red t-shirts. That means they must die. So they do this whole thing earlier in the show, and that's it. So Troy mentioned Finn Balor and AJ Styles. I'll do that one better. AJ Styles opened up the episode of Monday Night Raw teaming with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, who he would later help to beat the shit out of. Now, then you continue above that. So AJ's teamed with the Shield. He then beats the shit out of them. Shane McMahon, the sympathetic babyface, is now acting like a douchebag organizing an assault. All of that, if you take all that into consideration, go to the back now, all of a sudden you've got some innocent fucking PA. Like, this dude's just, like, this is a ham and egger. This isn't a fucking superstar. This guy has no skin in the fucking game. They decide to beat the shit out of this poor guy. Shinsuke goddamn Nakamura is sitting there watching them and laughing while they beat the shit out of some innocent PA. Does that sound like something a face would do? Not really to me. But... Then they start, I mean, they're storming throughout the building. I mean, there were so many issues. We talked about Jason Jordan being attacked and assaulted by, by Chad Gable out of fucking nowhere. Um, why, why are these fucking people banding together? Are they really just so in love with the color blue? There's nothing on the line. I mean, if you said to me, you know, whatever show wins, every match they win, they get a draft pick or something along those lines. Okay, I can get it. There's actual stakes attached to it. If it's title for title, okay, there's actual stakes attached to it. There weren't. There's not. There's nothing. There is nothing here. But we took all of our storylines, put them on pause, put guys who are feuding with each other on the same screen. We're doing title matches that are almost all heel versus heel and totally nonsensical. We talk all the time, or I talk all the time on this show, about things like where you have a cell that needs a match rather than a match that needs a cell. This is... 
a pay-per-view that needs a rivalry more than a rivalry that needs a pay-per-view. There is no real fucking rivalry. And if you want to know how I know there's no fucking rivalry, how about the fact that you have the same fucking broadcast team for both shows? It's a fucking joke what they did. And you talk about Kurt Angle cowering, and yeah, that was just as bad. Uh, there was nothing that I found good about this. Like It was just, it was like they attempted to redo Nexus, but make it shittier. And now Troy is back, so now Troy, your turn to rant. Go ahead. Well, and this uh, and this kind of goes back to my issue with Survivor Series as a whole, where um, you know, at least when there's no brand split, it makes sense because they normally have something on the line or they have some kind of you know a, a feud going on. Whereas you know, you've got Survivor Series, you've got this whole thing right now with the Shield and the Miz, and 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 you know, and the Bar. You could easily turn that, considering that we just had the TLC match, into a five-on-five elimination match, but instead we have to do this stupid fucking Raw versus SmackDown shit yet again, where both shows have heel champions for almost all of their champions, so we're just going to do heel versus heel for all the matches. Well, who the fuck cares? Why, why, why should I care if Jinder Mahal or Brock Lesnar wins? There's nothing online for it. And Brock's just going to go back to being gone up in fucking Canada again. And why should I care if Alexa Bliss can beat fucking Natalia? I don't, you know? And it makes no fucking sense because, again, like you said, there's there's nothing online for it. At least with bragging rights, it was like, it's in the name. They've got bragging rights. But again, when half of the SmackDown roster was part of the Raw roster a couple months ago and vice versa... There's, it's not as clear-cut lines as it once was before. And while some of these guys, like you said, with Baron Corbin being the lone wolf, being, you know, having no problem donning the blue, it's as bad as, as fucking Bray Wyatt wearing a blue shirt last year. Which is like, that's not his fucking character. Why the, why the hell would he care what show he's on? You've got guys who had, you know, who had no problem before you know, kind of saying that they were upset with the show they were on. We've got, you know, Kevin Owens, who was who was in a feud with Shane McMahon, and now all of a sudden is like, yeah, we'll be on your team. We want to be on your team. Like, that makes no fucking sense. Why They have no stake in this whatsoever. And we have to do this every year at fucking Survivor Series, where we have to come up with these things. You know, like you said, where, oh, here we go. Here's fucking Robert Smackdown again. And then what made it worse was to have it so that <laughs> that Raw didn't even get the revenge on Smackdown. So, yeah, it's it's not good. Not good at all. Yeah, I, See, even my baby agrees. <laughs> yeah, I hope for the sake of, of at least being somewhat interesting in manufacturing fake shit, that we could get a, a storyline where Alexa's a real dog person and, uh, you know, she takes offense to Natty's cat's bullshit, you know? Something like that, at least, would be chuckle-worthy, if nothing else. Yeah, you've got you've got some feuds that you can make out of this, but all in all, they're not going to do any of that. It's, just, it's literally just going to be, I wear red and you wear blue. So while that is my rant in terms of survivor series and in terms of this whole robber smackdown thing we do have a third voice of the rundown every once in a great while 
Well, it doesn't. He doesn't that's have much true. of a voice tonight. But yes, that's true. He uh, he he's, he he will explain it in his email. So we got an email, not a voicemail, from the voice of the voicemail himself, Sal. I can't do a Sal accent, otherwise I totally would. But uh, good evening, Ren. That's okay. Sal can't do a Tommy accent either. So that's very true. It changes all the time. <laughs> so I could just do like a Steve Harvey accent, and it'd be fine. I wanted to write you this week because my voice is feeling worse than Enzo's on Raw. This week, at the end of Monday Night Raw, we bore witness to another invasion angle. I don't care for it much. I don't like how they toss storylines aside for a brand versus brand pay-per-view. Last year was tolerable, but this year's Survivor Series card is a joke. The invasion felt flat for me, as it was clear who was going to get beat up and who wasn't. All of a sudden, Xavier Woods is a badass, and Kurt Angle is a pussy? Would you stop? Oh, he's not not referring to me. I'm sorry. Uh, none of it was believable, and it was even worse than it was even worse that there was zero retaliation on SmackDown Live. Give me a break, sincerely, but not Salvatore sincerely. Sal, I'm gonna disagree so, with one of his points. I actually like the fact that they didn't retaliate right away on SmackDown. Um, I think that would have been obvious and easy, and they've given themselves an opening to sort of surprise us by doing it at a random point when we're not expecting it. True, true. And, you know, um, part of it strengthens, you know, uh, the, the arguments that we've always already made as well. But, yeah, I, I agree with that, too. If if they're just going to have Raw invade SmackDown, which it sounded like might have been the plan until some travel plans, you know, um, F that up, it would have just been like, okay, we're just doing the same exact thing. And SmackDown did get a little bit of boost in ratings for people maybe expecting it. So now you don't immediately pay that off. Now you might be able to pop ratings next week as well. Right. Because now you're thinking, okay, well, now is when Raw's, they can't go two weeks in a row without doing something to get back. I mean, we're talking about Kurt Angle here. This guy used to be a stone cold killer, not Chris Benoit style, but, you know, <laughs> but pretty close to it. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, I also like the fact that we didn't we didn't just have it where the SmackDown guys just ran roughshod through the Raw roster. It was like, you know, they, they got the jump on, um, on Titus Brand to begin with, which is fine because it's Titus Brand. Um, and then so, we got to me, see Titus Worldwide. Sorry, what? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, they kind of got the jump on the guys in the locker room because two of the guys were apparently showering together. <laughs> and Jason, jo- Jason Jordan was, you know, had like his head in his hand and stuff like that because he was like, what the fuck happened to my career? But then... <laughs> Then we got, you know, the spot with the women where the women were prepared for them. And I thought that was really cool. And then we got Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, where Rollins was waiting for them, lying in wait, but the numbers game was just too much for it. made Ron not look like complete idiots. Because it's like, well, they've got to know what's going on. This word has got to spread that SmackDown is fucking tearing through here. So let's get prepared for it, where Seth Rollins dives off the top of a thing. He's just kind of lying in wait. It it did make the the SmackDown guys seem a lot smarter than they actually were. They still got the shit kicked out of them, but at least it's made them seem a little bit smarter. See, I would have liked the scenario where they like they run into Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman, and Brock just goes, "I'm not getting paid for yeah. this shit," and turns and walks right. away. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and, unless you've got anything more, I think that's a good segue into our next topic. Well, I have a lot of things more wrong with that, but it would keep us here all night. So let's move on. Yeah, that's true. True. So let's move on to something that also I did not like 
in the slightest. And that was Paul Heyman's promo on Jinder Mahal. Really? Okay, we're going to have very different uh, takes on this. Now, me, I'm... I have I've had an issue with Paul Heyman for a while. It's not it's not that I don't think he's great. I think that he is a tremendous talent. The problem is he bores me quite a bit. Um there are there are some shining moments that he has, but in general it's largely the same stuff. And maybe it's just the fact that um that I would like to see I don't know. I, I'm I'm torn on it because, like, at this point, gender shouldn't need to be protected. Um, but I do still think he needs to be protected, you know. And to have Paul Heyman, like, I mean, he really shit on gender, calling him a pretend champion and things like that. Um, like, it, it devalues gender a little bit, and and gender was able to get a little bit back on SmackDown, so at least it wasn't, you know, a, a complete fucking burial job of him. Um, but this wasn't like the Heyman that we've seen in the past where he kind of puts over Brock's opponents while still kind of insulting them and slamming them. This really felt like they were like, this is below us. And at least that's the feeling that I got from watching it was that this wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, Brock is going to fight the, the, the one other guy who beat the undertaker and yeah, Roman, you suck, but you're, you're still awesome. Like that's what Heyman normally does. He does so well is putting over guys while still being like my guy's better. And I didn't really feel like he was doing that this week with gender. See now you almost contradicted yourself there as far as I, I can tell, because you said he, you dislike him because it's the same old thing. But this was completely fucking different, and he still pointed out. He's like, every time I come out here and I talk about how this guy's worthy competitor and he's great, and this, and I'm not going to do that this time because he's not a worthy competitor because he's not great. And I thought that was tremendous. I thought Paul was the voice of the fans in that scenario. He said all the things about gender that the fans think. And honestly, he did it in such a way that you want to see Jinder get his ass kicked now. You expect to see Jinder get his ass kicked. So now I've sort of transitioned to the point where now I think Jinder's going to somehow pull something off and win this match. But um, I, I thought this was great because he didn't try to play you. He didn't try to make you think that I'm talking about the second coming. He didn't. He openly mocked the guy. Um, now I will make the case that Jinder did get a little bit buried on Raw. But it wasn't by Paul. It was by uh, the general manager of Raw calling him, pronouncing his name incorrectly. That, to me, was well, a bigger slap in the face than anything Paul Heyman said in his promo because that was a shoot. Kurt Angle doesn't fucking know his name. Well, Kurt Angle doesn't know the name of Finn Balor either. So, <laughs> I mean, he called him Finn Balor. So let's, let's, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. Although, although he did not, he did finally learn how to pronounce WWE. It was no longer WWE. Yeah, that's true. So maybe eventually, um, if if Ginger's still around, he'll remember that his name is Mahal and not Mahal. Um, but like I said, I mean, I would like to think that maybe they put Ginger over on Brock, and I think that that would be that would be go a long way to you know, uh, legitimizing him a little bit uh, because obviously there is still that contingent who say this is the worst WWE champion of all time and 
Uh, he's he's not, by the way. That's that's Rey Mysterio. Um, Disagree. And, <laughs> um, there are other people that you know that say that this has been been wasted, and I think in in a large part they could have done better. I I was I was on board with you know with them having a brand new champion. Yes, they could have done things better to to build it, but we got what we got. But then to have him in this super long feud with Randy Orton, who I just don't give a shit about anymore, um, and to to have him you know feuding with the guys feuding with, feuding with Shinsuke Nakamura and and beating him clean, where clearly they thought that this was going to be their way of getting massive heat, but all it did was just suck the heat off of of shinsuke um so i i i do have a hard time on not siding with those people who are saying that this has been largely you know mishandled but um yeah that's the thing too is you know it 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 sucks because this wasn't just like a this is a guy who's putting his time let's give him a shot it was literally like we're going we're we're launching all the stuff in india we're going on a tour of india what what brown people do we have on the roster (laughs) You know, and that that's what kind of sucks about it is, you know, it, that guy's this guy's always going to have that stigma on him. You were only champion because we were trying to sell tickets in India, you know. Well, yeah, and I, there's not a single person that watches this product that doesn't understand what's going on here and doesn't and actually thinks that gender deserves or earned that title. He's a, he's a tool. Now, that said, mm-hmm. and I guess we can sort of transition into uh smackdown this week and 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 gender's promo i thought gender had his best showing on the microphone yet this week on smackdown um i thought he responded beautifully to everything Heyman said i thought he played the i'm offended and i'm gonna prove you wrong card i thought he played everything beautifully um my only issue with the entire segment really was that you bring out AJ Styles, you spend the whole time telling him my focus is Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar is what fucking matters, and then you bring out AJ Styles and say, oh, you're good enough to get the Singh brothers. Yeah, um, I didn't think that they gave Jinder enough time, and I do still think that Jinder... I, I think with Jinder, uh, the more time you give him, the less effective his promo is, though. I think that that is true too. But um, I, I thought that the the context was good, but I still think that Jinder has a delivery issue on a lot of things he says. He's got a pacing issue on some of the things that he says too. Um, which obviously, you know, um, somebody who's had a lot more time on the mic would know how to kind of space things out a little bit more and and know the impact. Um, but yeah. I mean, it was what it was. And again, the issue that you run into is gender starts to feel a lot like when David Arquette had the WCW championship, where it was clearly just put on him so that way we could sell tickets to a movie. And this is just so he could be, we can sell some more things in India. But gender doesn't need that championship belt to be over in India. No. You know? No, you could have accomplished the same thing putting the U.S. title on him. Very much so. And probably to better effect because then you've got the built-in heel factor of the fact that here's this dude who's not from from America as the U.S. champion and who also, you know, feels kind of downtrodden. And you could have him have gone over AJ as a good way to do it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, instead, we've got the Big Breakfast who they can't even seem to recall that he has a... We're going to have the fucking Miz take on the Big Breakfast again. Something has to change in this card. Somebody's got to lose a title along the way. 
there's yeah i mean you've got <laughs> your your both mid card belts are are heel champions both women's champions are heel champions you can make the case that brock is a face but i still feel like that's both both of those champions the only thing that you have that's that's face versus heel is the tag team titles but is it is it really though i guess I guess not because that's right. The Usos did kind of turn face last week, <laughs> and so, sort of played it up more this week. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that there you've got a face versus face. I guess essentially you've well, you've at least got two popular teams, right? Because the Usos have are much more popular than they were before. And then of course the the five versus five thing for both sides are going to be a smorgasbord of heels and faces on both sides of it against each other. Which is always an issue there too, because I would much rather watch a Survivor Series match where it's a heel team of five against a face team of five, like we've had in the past, instead of this bullshit where it's like, okay, well now we're gonna throw fucking heel Alicia Fox and she's gonna team up for no goddamn reason with Sasha Banks, you know, and things like that. Right. And you know, I'm, I had to pump the brakes in it because I just I read one of the other things that we got in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, it again, like I said, it fucking pisses me off because we we came off of tlc which was largely a a nothing pay-per-view where nothing of substance really happened because nobody cares about 205 live uh we witnessed the person get fucking killed yeah well i mean that's we're gonna gonna see how much that matters in a week here (laughs) And we're we're gonna follow that up with Survivor Series where there's no fucking consequences. Everybody's gonna retain their championships because they're not on the line, and everything's going to be put on hold for this fucking bullshit pay per view. Brand supremacy. That's not a thing. Are you a red guy <laughs> or a blue guy, Troy? It doesn't fucking matter because you know you know the only thing that matters is ratings, and you know who wins that every week? Raw. <laughs> so there's your brand supremacy, and we know exactly what what vince mcmahon thinks of the brands and we know exactly what paul Heyman thinks of the brands because he yet again called raw the supreme brand so i you know what honestly and going back to our our issue with with this whole invasion thing Mm -hmm. i would have less of an issue if it was shane invading stephanie's show because at least then you have a a logical reason the built-in sibling rivalry Instead, you had the face GM attacking the face GM. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the the first time that Shane has come into Stephanie's business. I thought you were going somewhere else with that, so I'm very glad. Oh, that's didn't. exactly where I was going. Oh, with okay, that. okay. <laughs> then I I take back. My you know, yeah, yeah. Those two, those two, are totally fucked. <laughs> Uh, go go back go back like a couple a couple of months someone someone's been reading too much fan fiction i think first of all (laughs) i am i am nothing but consistent because if you remember i have been touting the fact that they had sexual tension on this very show for weeks and weeks and weeks when they were doing the whole shane vs stephanie thing so it's not this it's not like this is the first time i've I've made reference to the fact that shane has definitely plowed his sister (laughs) (laughs) Uh, moving along. Uh, uh, speak, <laughs> speaking of things that that grosses out, out Jason, the Demon Kang Kang defeated the Demon King Kang. <sighs> Why? Why did this happen? Not not just defeated him, but everything that Balor threw at Kane 
look like it didn't hurt him a bit. They suddenly pretended that Kane was like the big show in the 90s where you had to like drop kick him 37 times to get him down to one knee. Like this is a guy who was your very first universal champion and he can't beat a guy who hasn't been relevant for 10 years. Coming off a huge victory. Okay. Coming off beating a WWE champion. He follows it up with losing to a guy who has one of the shortest WWE championship reigns of all time. All right, let's put a pin in this because this is time for another rant. This is a week full of rants, apparently. Because fuck them. Fuck them for this, okay? (laughs) Here's the fucking thing, okay? You said it yourself. You, you, You talk about a dream match between AJ Styles and Finn Balor, and it was, and I agree. And granted, you didn't give them enough time to really do what we thought they could do, but you gave them enough, and the match was entertaining, and I walked away happy from it. Then fast forward to Monday. And you take your next generation star, your guy who could lead your brand for the next 10 years in Finn Balor. And what do you do? Do you highlight him? Do you highlight him? Do you put him on a pedestal? Is he building? Was this AJ thing to build towards a match with Brock Lesnar down the road for the Universal title, a high profile spot? Was that what we were doing? Oh, no. We were taking that young, well, I don't want to say young, but that next, next level talent guy. And having him lose to a 50-year-old mayoral candidate in Knox County, Tennessee. Because that's what's fucking important. We can bury everybody that could be a a brand carrier for this show at the sake of building up somebody for Braun Strowman to squash later. Because we fucked up Braun Strowman so bad in that match with with Brock Lesnar that now we have to do things like sacrifice Finn Balor in order to build Brock Le- uh, to build Braun Strowman back up. That's what this was. That's what happened, and it was another steaming pile of shit. This match didn't need Finn Balor. This match needed a guy, any guy, a guy who could take a fucking beating. This match needed Kurt Hawkins. This match did not fucking need Finn Balor. And what it did was more fucking damage to a guy who could, if utilized properly, be one of your top draws. Unfortunately, they can't see, or should I say Vince, can't see past guys who were over a decade ago. And instead of building the next set of guys to be over, who you can go back and revisit in a decade, we're still putting those guys under at the expense of a guy like Kane, who really doesn't fucking matter. Ten years from now, when you need that Brock Lesnar or that Rock to come back and appear at WrestleMania, who's it going to be? Who's, who's that transitional star of this generation? You don't have one because you do dumb shit like this. You wouldn't need to build Braun Strowman back up if you hadn't have him lose to Brook and Brock Lesnar at the last pay-per-view. Like, if you would have had him go over Brock Lesnar, you wouldn't need to do this shit because he would have been champion. You wouldn't need to have... And that's not going to build him up because nobody gives a fuck about Kane anymore. You can't have Kane do do two fucking wins over guys or three wins or however many they're going to give him leading up to this and suddenly that erases the fact that this guy was a joke fucking months ago 
and will be a joke for the rest of his career because his character is past the time. It's like when they tried to build fucking Big Show back up again. Like everybody knows this is the dude who dressed up the, as the fucking new, new, new Year's baby. Like <laughs> you can't erase that shit. People aren't going to people are going to remember the fact that Kane was the big red retard, and he was he looked fucking terrible when he took the mask off of him. And he was corporate Kane. That's what they're going to remember. They're not going to be like, oh, Kane's a fucking monster again. They're going to be like, what the fuck is going on? Why the hell is why the hell is the fucking libertarian guy trying to beat this to him? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it makes no fucking sense. And, and, and you you hit it out of the park on that one. This is the issue that we've been having where we keep doing things like we could we could build up Eric Eric Rowan to be the next Kane, but instead we got to have him lose to the Rock in four seconds, you know. But Bludgeon Brothers, yeah, like that's going over well. You know, we're we're sitting there and continuing to fuck over our future in order to relive our past, and not even our present. Like Kane is the past. This is yeah, a dude in his forties. We had fifties. Uh, sorry, fifties. Sorry, 50s, yes. You know, Kevin Owen lost to fucking Goldberg and just never and was never mentioned again in the title picture. Like, that's the shit we're doing. We're, we continue to have fucking Brock Lesnar be the Universal Champion when we could have had three different world champions at this point who all had a turn at that, at that title and started building up some guys on Raw. Instead, everyone is just fucking pedaling their, their feet. And now we've got Rollins and Ambrose as your tag team champions. And their biggest competitors are two other singles guys that we slap together. Because we do the same thing with the tag team division. And you have a locker room full of guys. Because you got a perfect opportunity. You're playing musical fucking diseases in the locker room. So <laughs> you have the perfect opportunity to bring somebody else out. And putting the guy who's down a level in the ring with Kane and making it competitive elevates that guy at the same time you get the point with Kane across that you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at this point, Braun Strowman is above Kane. So to have Braun Strowman face against Kane is going to bring him down. Just like having Finn Balor lose to Kane makes him a fucking joke. Beautiful abs or not, it made him look like a fucking joke. Speaking of looking like a fucking joke, Asuka yet again fucking lucked into a win against Emma. Who is a joke? Oh, we're burning through all the raw topics, huh? Okay. Fuck, fuck yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's continue with our conversation about uh, regarding the pay-per-view and the fact that, again, Asuka got the shit kicked out of her uh, then managed to reverse a roll-up into a submission move and yet again get Emma to tap out by mere luck. Yeah, this was fucking worse than the pay-per-view. And this was, I guess, the moment where Sal realized I was fucking right um, because this is how they're going to book this woman. Uh, she's not going to be the killer. She's not going to be dominant. She's not going to be... I, I'm seriously wondering how long this undefeated streak goes on that they keep even talking about. I imagine two pay-per-views, three maybe tops, before she's doing the job for somebody in a total non nonsensical way. Um, this is shit. And... They wonder why nobody is is viewed as special by their audience anymore because nobody is presented as special. This woman had the ability coming in to be your female Brock Lesnar. That's exactly what she could have been. The badass that nobody can beat. The unstoppable force. That's what this woman could be. Instead, 
she's squeaking out victories by the skin of her teeth over somebody who you've told us, by the way you've used them, is a fucking glorified jobber in the women's division. And that's fine. That's no shade on Emma because you you need people to make other people look good. And that's a talent in and of itself in this business. But you can't take fucking Roman Reigns. When you're building Jason Jordan, right? You weren't sticking him in a 20-minute competitive match with Kurt Hawkins to try to build him up. No, you put him in there with Roman Reigns for that style match. When you first brought him in, you had him go over a Hawkins and you beat the shit out of him in 30 seconds. Ty Dillinger didn't come up and have a knockdown dragout with with fucking, was it, was it Hawkins? I forget who the fuck it was. Uh, he had a squash, beat the shit out of him and was done. That's how you do a debut. But shit like this is why nobody comes up from NXT and looks good outside of Kevin Owens. Who? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you make yeah, a case for I, I guess you could make a case if you really wanted to for Alexa, but I I almost feel like that was an accident. I don't think they knew what they had in Alexa when they brought her up. It it doesn't seem that way because it, even like Carmella it didn't seem like they really knew what what was going on with her, and and the women are always kind of a different different breed because there are there's less of a blockade, you know, because because there is kind of there there are still a little depth of talent, um, so it was a little bit easier, especially with the fact that Alexa, Alexa was over on SmackDown for her to blossom. But yeah, you're looking at the fucking boulevard of broken fucking dreams here, where you've got guys like Neville who spent four years on the main roster getting shit on before becoming cruiserweight champion and then being shit on again you've got tyler breeze who you know could have been could have been something big you know other than i mean big e managed to eventually work his way up to there but that was through his own hard work so yeah i mean and only as a just tag not, team only as part yeah, of only a tag, as a tag team, team. not as a singles guy right and you look at a guy like Sammy, which we'll get into in a little bit, and I, yes, he did. He he's he's doing some good work now, but he still got shit on 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 fucking Tuesday. So, yeah, I mean we're we're right back to the same problem again. And you've got somebody like Asuka who isn't the youngest around, and also has that barrier of not being able to to speak the language as well as some other people that you do need to book them differently and it's going to be difficult for a japanese woman to try to get over in an, a, a largely idiot american culture and wrestling community you know especially because of the fact that asuka is not asuka is a beautiful woman but she's not like a stunner like emma is or you know or things like that and so you've already got that going against you you've got the fact like i said the language barrier going against you you've got the fact that right off the bat here here's the shitty booking again that we can't just have we can't have her just come out and squash because we feel the need to somewhat book the everyone in the women's division strong because we don't have any jobbers in the women's division but you then, do. Emma is the fucking jobber in the women's division. That's what she's that been. True. Yeah. She's supposed to be, yeah. But you know what? You've also got a fucking wealth of women talent that would be more than happy to come in for one night, you know, get a local talent, 
you know, get somebody that you got in the performance center to go over or not have Asuka have two straight matches where she gets her ass handed to her. It's as simple as that. You know, even if, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we just look, just look at the, like the four most recent newcomers to the WWE. You've got Asuka, who's already been mishandled. You've got Bobby Roode, completely mishandled. You've got Mike Kanellis, completely fucking mishandled. Now, there might be a little asterisk to that one, obviously. But even before that, they were having issues with it. And you've got Shinsuke. And the shine sure wore off quickly off of Shinsuke. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the booking. Because, first of all, Dolph Ziggler, yes, he is okay, Charisma fucking vacuum. Again, yeah. I said, I don't, you were on the show when I had this whole rant, but I, I keep hearing this guy's a great worker and he makes everybody look great. Really? Because mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I saw that. Again, the yeah. Miz feud is pretty much the last time I saw that. And I don't know if he's chosen. He's just sort of downtrodden after everything. He's just mailing it in. But fuck, everyone that's feuded with him lately has come out of it worse. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and that's, again, the issue where when you've got a guy like Shinsuke or a woman like Asuka in a show that largely is based around people talking to you, you need their opponent to be able to talk for you. And Dolph Ziggler puts people to sleep. And that's the issue is so you can't have Dolph build up the feud, even though they tried to have it with him making racist jokes and then you're going to follow that up with Jinder, who also has limitations on the mic. And here you've got, sitting in the back, beautiful new beard, Rusev, a guy who can build a feud with his mouth, who is great on the fucking mic, and they're just not using him. That's a tailor-made feud, Shinsuke and Rusev. Simple as that. And that would help to put Shinsuke over, because Rusev is liked by the audience, He's a great talker, and he knows how to put on a good match. Mm -hmm. And you've got the same thing over on Raw, where, yes, you want to not have Asuka and Sasha going against each other, but, like, of the the other females there, I mean, yes, I know Alicia Fox is Alicia Fox, but if you're not going to have Asuka just squash Emma, you got to have it where Emma is using some underhanded tactics to get the advantage. Either she's poking her in the eye, flicking her in the nipple, you know, doing something more than just straight beating her ass. Maybe and that's all we've been seeing. Maybe one day when Asuka and Rusev are 50, 60 years old and can barely move, maybe then they'll be portrayed as main eventers. That's true. That's very true. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know. I guess I guess we'll roll right into it because I really don't want to talk about it all that much. But Alicia Fox somehow for whatever fucking reason is the leader of the Raw Women's team. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. Why? You look you look at the people. Now, yes, obviously we don't know the rest of the Raw Women's team. We don't know the story you, too. There may be a logical reason why they went this route. Yeah, I doubt Disclaimer. it. Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yes, we do not know the whole story. But we also know that Thra has Sasha Banks and Bailey, who are both 
tailor-made to be leaders of the the raw women's division you know the Ramsey you've got Nia Jax which I understand is is out right now and you've got is that all of them that might be all of them (laughs) um yeah so of all the people that we could have because we had a a three-way three-way dance right it was Banks, Bailey, and Alicia Fox against each other. Yeah, so we had a three-way dance to determine who was going to be the 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 Raw Women's um, captain. Captain. I keep. I don't know. why I keep having a problem with that. And because it's stupid. When yeah, because it's stupid. Because what I because what's what the fuck is a captain going to do? It's it's a five-person tag team match. Anyways, everyone gets eliminated, so the captain can go out first. It doesn't make any fucking difference. Yeah, but apparently, and, no, never mind. We'll get to it after. Go. Yeah. So yeah. So you're sitting there going, okay. Well, clearly Alicia Fox is in there to take the pin. Right. <laughs> but yeah. nope. 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 Apparently not. Because nope. apparently she's so fucking good that we need her to be the fucking captain of the raw. Now again, I mean, we're talking about looking at last year. Our captains for the teams were Nikki Bella, who, yes, I know, was you know the. Um, I I know that she was she she is Nikki Bella. Did I say last year that's two years ago, wasn't it? No, last yeah, year last year was ago. the first year they did the Survivor Series brand versus brand gimmick. When was Nikki Bella the Bella team captain? Then? Might have been last year. Yeah, but I'm looking at it right now. She's not on. She's not on the roster. Because last year's Team Raw was Alicia Fox, Bailey, Charlotte, Nia Jackson, Sasha Banks, and then Dana Brooke as a cheerleader Oosh. against Team SmackDown, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Carmella, Naomi, and Natalia. Huh. What is A1? Oh, there you go. T- oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. Nikki Bella was attacked backstage, rendering her unable to compete. Ah. Yes. And then Natalia was the team's coach. That she. Okay, that's what that's it was. Yeah, right. so yes. Yeah. yeah, so last year you had Nikki Bella. I forget who was the was the raw team captain this doesn't say probably because it's not a fucking thing <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah thanks wikipedia uh yeah again it's first of all yeah it's fucking meaningless it's a meaningless little title so much so that they gave it to alicia fox but they also gave alicia fox a win over your like two former champions on raw and I know Alicia Fox was a former champion, but the last time Alicia Fox was a fucking champion, Alexa Bliss was graduating high school. So I don't understand why we're going back to this whole what's old is new again. Let, let, let me just do this, okay? Bailey, Sasha, mm-hmm. Asuka, yep. Emma, mm-hmm. and Mickey James. Yep. Which one of those five are you taking out to put Alicia Fox in this match? Because you're going to have to do that now. That's a yeah, decision you've made. You're going to do made. one of them. Yep. And that's that's all that really needs to be said about that. That's in, in terms of why this makes no sense. There you go. Uh, yeah. You're putting uh, another jobber in a prominent position in the women's division. Meanwhile, right. once again, our four horse women really not doing much. So right. that's all you can do. Women that are yeah. doing well, though, on Raw were Alexa Bliss and Mickey James because that promo Alexa cut was fucking magic. 
What that girl did, she played. First off, she said, I know you guys are from the Midwest, so I'll have to talk slow. Of course, they blew the <laughs> shit out of her, not realizing she's from fucking Cleveland. Yeah, she is. Which was yeah, fucking great. Um, then she does. Uh, now, you guys are going to chant like the sheep that you are. <laughs> you deserve it. Fucking uh, awesome. Just tremendous. Yeah. That was one of the best women's promos I've ever seen in my life. Hands mm-hmm. down, she owned it. It was incredible. And then hats off to Mickey James, who came out and managed a spinning fucking DDT in six-inch heels, because I couldn't <sighs> fucking do that shit. Hats off to her. It's, it's one of those cases where um, I think we keep waiting to see what Alexa's ceiling is, and she keeps breaking it. And that's great. And yes, the the match itself that she had on the pay per view, you know, could have been better. But you know, that's not what we always need. We don't always need somebody to be a, a great in ring competitor, i.e., uh, Cesaro. <laughs> sometimes we need them just be entertaining. And sometimes and we just need to them to be fifty. Yeah, and <laughs> Alexa Bliss continues to be entertaining and continues to outdo herself and. Uh, but what a job that Mickey James has done as well to remind everybody, hey, you know, yes, I'm a little bit older than everyone else here, but I'm still fucking amazing. And yes, she continues to to put on great shows and continues to do, you know, great work on the mic, too. So, um, yeah, the, this is one of those cases where, yeah, you look at it as Alexa Bliss is going to be wasted at this pay-per-view facing Natalia. Um but, I mean, you know, as long as we continue to do this Alexa Bliss, Mickey James feud leading up to it, I'm okay with it because this is gold. Yeah, tremendous. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, what wasn't tremendous was the NXT episode last week. And the new this week's is on as we're recording this, so full disclosure. This occurred last week. Uh, they did a sit-down interview with Drew Galloway. Uh, conducted, and here's the first failure, conducted by Christy St. Cloud, which is a fucking porn star name. That's not a backstage interviewer's name. You know, Charlie Caruso, Renee Young, those are sideline reporter names. Those are fine. Christy St. Cloud is a porn name. That girl's not interviewing guys with a microphone on the sideline. That's a girl sucking dick on video for money. And well, I, at least she's using her hands. And I'm not knocking it. Whatever you got to do to make a buck, but let, let's let's come up with some be better WWE. Let's come up with some better names, okay? Let's also come up with some better wardrobe because the shit she wore for that interview was goddamn atrocious. Uh, somebody, a production assistant, has to stop her, stop the scene, and be like, "No, this is not working. The lighting's bad. The way she's sitting is horrible. The outfit is terrible. No, the, the hair's awful. Let's just redo the whole fucking thing. That's what needs to happen. Quality control. So then." They're doing this interview with with Drew, and Zelina Vega walks in and goes, okay, I'm going to conduct this interview now. And Christy Christy McPornstar goes, all right, cool, and gets up and leaves. Bye. (laughs) That's not how that works. Then Zelina says, I was sitting there watching this interview on my phone. How? How the fuck were you doing that? (laughs) Did you have, like, the, did, did, like, like, What? That's not how that works either. I think we're Apparently all smart enough to, to figure that out. 
I guess she talked to Tony in the in the production truck and was like, just live stream this to me. Or maybe she turned the camera on and she was looking through the phone. I mean, that's possible, I suppose. Um, yeah, no, it was fucking awful. Uh, she does that. And then she gets up there and says, well, why won't you give Andrade Cien Almas a match? And he's like, I told you, told everybody, if you want a match, just ask. I'll give you a match. And she said, well, you should go to William Regal and ask for the match. Why the fuck would the champion go and ask for a match? He told you, if you want a match, go ask Regal and I'll fight you. I don't give a shit. Why would the champion ask for the match with the challenger? This was so fucking sloppy, so poorly constructed. This is one of those things that, like, this needs to be better. This, this is not okay to put out there with your product. That's it. I'm done with that. Okay. Sounds great. <laughs> and uh, just a reminder, nobody watches NXT. I do, goddammit. Um, it. It's still real to me. <laughs> um, so here, here was my second favorite thing of the week. And that was Daniel Bryan announcing the SmackDown women's team <laughs> and being like, you women, not you, Lana, <laughs> are going to face <laughs> off against... It was so good. So so funny to see that. Um, yeah. Is there any question the better uh, better team right now? Because the SmackDown women have Becky Lynch, who is their team captain. <gasps> a, a person who actually is somewhat relevant <sighs> and actually, actually really good as a team captain. Not that that means anything. Uh, Charlotte, who equally would have been deserving as it. Carmella, obviously. Um... I want to say Naomi, Naomi, yep, yep, and Tamina, uh, because you know it's Tamina. But uh, yeah, good, good call in leaving the jobber Lana out of it instead of being like Lana's going to be our team captain. Uh, Becky, I guess you're going to be sitting at home because that's essentially what we're going to get on Raw. So um, again, we'll talk about it once Survivor Series comes around and we have to make the fucking picks that I don't want to make. But yeah, so then. Because instead of us, you know, we're doing things differently. So on Raw, we decided, okay, we're going to name a team captain and we're not going to tell you the rest of the team because we don't even know what it is. SmackDown, they're like, okay, you guys are all a team. So let's have a five-person match and have you all beat the shit out of each other. Why? Well... Just for, like, like, let's kayfabe this for a minute. In kayfabe world, why the fuck would you want to risk one of these women getting hurt prior to Survivor Series by putting them in a match, beating the shit out of each other when they need to be on the same page for the pay-per-view to represent your brand? And, oh, by the way... Does anyone build unity in this match? Did, did we come out of this feeling stronger, or did did, did we feel more separated? Because I didn't feel any any bonds being being built during this, um, all for the sake of being the bullshit captain. So Becky, you're the captain. Yeah. Congratulations, and that and twenty five cents will get you a fucking cup of coffee. Cup of coffee. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Cup of coffee, because it's late. Um, but yeah, it's fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the the smarter way to book this is you turn around and say, all right, um, we're going to name Becky the team captain because she was our first champion. 
and then okay well we have one too many people on this team so we're going to need to have becky choose two people on the team to face each other and whoever wins gets on the team whoever loses is off the team that's your week one then you proceed the next couple of weeks to have the women pair off into tag teams and face against other jobber teams of just bringing some women in and then you lead all the way up to it instead we're like nope we can't do that let's turn around and just make it face each other because you know what's going to happen next week next week you're going to see two of them face two others of them with becky lynch on commentary <laughs> i'm calling calling it right now calling my shot either on commentary or as a special guest referee, you're going to see half the team face half the team and Becky Lynch is not going to be part of that match. That's probably call true. On, call on my shot right there. You're, you're probably so, not wrong. Yeah, probably not. Um, but uh, unless you have more on that, speaking of tag teams, because I'm, I, you know what I'm saving to the end, Gable and Benjamin versus the Usos. Dead who's, air is who's good, the heel? Who's the face? <laughs> None of them. I'm a None little. I'm sorry. I'm just point. a little confused because I just got a note that said Sal just came on Skype, even though he has no voice. It seems like an odd selection. Um, huh. <laughs> but uh, he does and, realize that we're go- that we will hang up on him if he tries to call us, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. No. This was weird because I don't know who the heel and who the face is. Um, Gable and Benjamin were facing the New Day, who are pretty clearly faces. Uh, the Usos were playing up like faces on commentary. Uh, the Usos, they showed the promo from last week where the Usos went to shake hands, and Jordan and Gable did the old Fonzie, hey, pulled a hand away kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of weird. Um, Gable and Benjamin won, and in most any other circumstance, a tag team getting a win over the New Day would be a big deal. But I sort of felt like they were already the tag team number one contenders for the Usos. So it seemed like a fait accompli that they would fit. Like, I would have almost preferred if this was the number one contenders match with the New Day. And then they sort of pulled off the upset. I think that would have been a better story. A better way to sort of build them up. Uh, but... You know, match was fine. I liked the match, and I'm looking forward to seeing them versus the Usos. The problem is, similar to with everything else you got going on right now, you're building this program with Gable and Benjamin and the Usos, except the Usos aren't fighting them at the pay-per-view. They're fighting Dean and Seth. Yep. So, can we call them the Fisting Fraternity? Does that work? I like it. There you go. Okay. So, that's who they're fighting at the pay-per-view, which means that this is going to be what, a TV program? Because I don't think they can hold this all the way out to December. Yep. That's pretty much what's going to be. It's going to be a little bit of a TV feud until we get to Survivor Series. Uh, then once Survivor Series is over, we're probably going to move on to something new. So, I mean, that's that's kind of what has been in the past as well, is that Survivor Series puts a stop to feuds, and then all of a sudden... They have enough time to they kind of think about it and be like, ah, oh, maybe we don't want to see this anymore. <laughs> and they move on. So, yeah. <sighs> but um, I guess with that, we'll move on to the main event of the Perfect Ten. I want to start with the exceptional change in the Sami Zayn entrance. 
where last week you had had remarked about the fact that Sammy didn't change his music. And this week they decided we're, we're still not going to change his music, but Sammy's going to make full use of that yeah. <laughs> by come out and mockingly dance to his own music, yep. which I thought was grand. And he did this with, you could tell he was just having a fucking blast doing it. Yep. Uh, it was one of the most entertaining things. And then we, we straight had a dance off. They, these guys were dancing in each other's faces, <laughs> which, which I know if you didn't see this sounds fucking terrible. It was not because <laughs> Sammy aggressively dancing in Shane's face was great. And Shane like doing his, his little thing too. Yeah. It was tremendous. And yeah, Shane was kind of talking, you know, cause he was back to being a face and he was talking again about, you know, how they were going to, going to go out there and beat Ron, everything like that. Sammy comes out, interrupts him and Sammy proceeds to just lay into Shane which was tremendous, you know, talking about the fact that Sammy and Kevin talked about it and decided that not only does Shane want these two on Team SmackDown, he needs these two on Team SmackDown. So they are going to begrudgingly accept and join Team SmackDown. Um, Yeah, so Sammy accepts the offer that Shane did not give them to join Team SmackDown, and it sounded as if Sammy was wrangling for being the lead of Team SmackDown. And of course, Shane said, "Nope, you got to beat Randy Orton." And this is where I was happy to begin with, and then by the end of the show, I was disappointed because yet again, we can't just have them go full force on Sammy. And be like, he's he's going to be our new top heel. Instead, we have to have him lose to Randy Orton. And I understand it definitely wasn't a clean loss. Obviously, you know, Orton hit him with a low blow. Kevin got, you know, involved in the side. But still, like, he should have won this match. Because now Randy Orton is on Team SmackDown. And he shouldn't be on Team SmackDown. Not that it fucking matters, because it's a dumb thing. But tell me what what you thought about the promos between these two guys and then the subsequent subsequent match. Yeah, I thought the promos were great. I thought you nailed it right on the head with the the Sammy entrance, the sort of mocking the fans with the similar entrance, and he gets on the stairs and does it. Does the let's go? Like it's just over exaggerated, brilliant. The the dr- the drums on the stairs too. I enjoy. Yes, everything's great. Um, again, I get my my issue. We talked about earlier Shane trying to come in and be sympathetic babyface again didn't fucking work for me um but like I said I like the fact that Sammy and Owens were held out of it like they're sort of above that whole thing I thought that made that work a little bit um not surprised that Sammy lost and and spoiler alert I'm pretty sure Owens is going to lose to Nakamura next week because you know Nakamura was in on the beatdown Randy however was not because Randy's above that shit um Randy don't travel if he don't have to uh it was yeah i mean it was was what it was i thought it was a good match i liked the match between the two i liked the sort of owens uh, way too early to be sort of teasing any problems with sammy and and kevin though and i thought that was sort of dancing around that a little bit at the end way 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 fucking too early to do that they should be having tremendous success as a unified force um not losing and that's we'll see how that pays off down the road uh, but all things considered, I continue to love this Sammy heel turn. I think it's some of the best work he's done in a while. Awesome. 
And what did you think of the... Oh, you you, you, you kind of covered that. The match itself I thought was fine. Uh, Sammy and, and Randy. I just can't... And fucking... Orton's just a boner killer to me. Like... <laughs> I just don't want him on my TV anymore. Yeah, like I think I've mentioned it to you before. The best description I've ever heard of Randy Orton is that he's comparable to Tim Duncan. You know they're really technically good at what they do, but nobody is excited to watch them do it. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think unless we have anything else, we'll go ahead and close the book on the perfect 10 there. Um, we don't have a discussion topic because the guy who won the uh, um, the fantasy wrestling this week quit the show. So <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and move right on to which one of the three? Uh, no, the actual. We actually had a tie for the win, and it was none of the three people who are actually still engaged in the show. Okay. So, um, so no no discussion topic this week. I could probably come up with one off the top of my head, but fuck it, uh, it's already getting late. So speaking about fucking, let's go to the news desk. All right, we're going to start off this week with the uh, WWE has announced that Adam Cole versus NXT champion Drew McIntyre for the November 17th non-televised live event from San Antonio, Texas, will feature Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels as the special referee. The event takes place during Survivor Series weekend, just one night before TakeOver War Games. Shawn Michaels will also be doing a segment with Johnny Gargano at the TakeOver War Games event itself on November 18th during Survivor Series weekend as HBK released a video on Twitter where he and Gargano agreed to have an ab-off during the event. Now, Troy, I know you've been critical of NXT in the past. Is a Johnny Gargano, Shawn Michaels ab-off enough to make you tune in? No, because Shawn Michaels is involved. Fuck you. Anyway, uh, well, it, no, sure. I mean, just have fun with it. Yeah. It's it's not gonna be on TV anyway, so fuck it. Just have fun. Oh no, this is supposed to be on TV apparently as part of the show. Oh, well, like a, if that's the case, then I mean, uh, just just like just like any other week, nobody's gonna see it. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> well, in Dubai, promoting WWE 2K18, Sting spoke to El Ara- Ar- Arabia. Blah, blah, blah. El Arabia, English about The Undertaker's reaction to a match when he asked about a conversation he had with The Undertaker about that potential match. Sting said, We've had a brief conversation, and I just told him, I said, Man, I just always wanted to have that match. It wasn't necessarily reciprocated, so I'm not sure where he stands or if he had any interest at all, but to be quite honest, I did. I don't mind saying it. Uh, So basically what this sounds to me is, Sting went up to him and went, Dude, I would have really loved to have a match with you. And he went, cool the fuck he's he's probably more along the lines of who the fuck are you (laughs) and walked away like i'm sting (laughs) were you were you that guy who used to have the the face paint yeah i used to like dress up like the crow no 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 like the surfer guy yeah it was a surfer guy oh that was me oh no i'm I'm not gonna come out of retirement for that yeah it just seems like a pretty embarrassing interaction for sting all things considered uh, speaking of embarrassing situations, Julie Youngberg, a seamstress who's been employed by WWE for 30 years and, in fact, the ex-wife of former superstar Shannon Moore, tweeted on Tuesday night saying she'd love if Matt Hardy were dead. 
<laughs> this prompted a response from his wife, Rebby Hardy, who's never shy on Twitter. Nope. It all started when someone on Twitter said they'd like to see Matt join Team Miz at TLC, and Julie replied saying, I would love to see the fifth I would love it if the fifth man was dead, Matt. Oops, did I say that? Uh, never one to stay quiet. Rebby responded with Bitch, you've seen both me and Matt about twenty times at TVs and have never said a damn thing. Shut up, pussy. <laughs> The two of them continue to go back and forth with Rebby noting that they've had years of issues with Julie seemingly threatening to send WWE security on Matt's wife backstage if need be. She also touted her tenure working for WWE and said that she's made most of the iconic costumes you've watched on TV. Rebby said in a string of tweets that we were actually contacted by an officer a few years ago about a crazy fan making outrageous claims and wasting their time. It was Julie. No one is stalking you, hacking you, spying on you. No one even remembers you exist until you start revealing death wishes on Twitter. My favorite personal quote of this very long Twitter exchange was Julie saying, I don't give a crap about you or your NC crew. You're all losers in my book. And she spelled your Y-O-U-R. Oh, good. Good job. Rebby responded with dash Y-O-U apostrophe R-E dash i don't claim nc dash your pussy stink oh jeez thanks for the 50th twitter bs in six years miss i don't give a crap this was fun and i think that's sort of a mic drop moment for rebby i think i think she won at your pussy stink that's just my choice here's here's the other thing one of you is employed by the same person that employs matt hardy the other one is not Guess who has more to lose in this situation? You are a person who makes wrestling costumes. Mm -hmm. And while you do a good job, there are hundreds more like you who could do the same exact thing. Some of them even married to current WWE superstars. Crazy, isn't Mm. it? You are also something that, considering you've been with the company for a long time, probably on their list of possible pay cuts to make so (laughs) maybe not the best time to insult one of their their talents that is making them a lot of money with his latest nostalgia right maybe not so much anymore that jeff went down but uh this doesn't make you look good and everybody knows rebby is a loose cannon Mm -hmm. which is why wb didn't hire her so don't attack the person who on a daily basis attacks people on twitter yeah and and like I said at the beginning, this she, this seems to stem from the fact that she had a relationship with the Hardy clan when she was married to Shannon Moore. Uh, yeah. They probably got divorced, and obviously the the North Carolina crew stuck with their boy Shannon, and, and it was an uncomfortable situation for all of them, uh, yeah. which is, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate byproduct sometimes of uh, divorce. But, you know, again, hash, I, I'm all for hashtag your pussy stink. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I mean, I think that's our, our episode title. <laughs> there you go, uh, Tarrant Terrell. I don't know if the, I don't know if iTunes will let me get away with that one. It'll just edit it. It'll be yeah. fine. Uh, Tarrant Terrell is gone from Impact Wrestling. The organization announced this past week on Twitter that both parties have mutually agreed to part ways. Following a two-year hiatus, Terrell returned in August of 2017 and was immediately inserted into the Knockouts title picture. At least in the storyline, she was slated to compete at Bound for Glory in a four-way match for the Knockouts Championship against champion Sienna, Gail Kim, and Ale Alley. 
The announced team, however, said on last week's episode of Impact that Terrell was removed from the match after she suffered a concussion due to a slap from Kim the week before. Uh, I have since learned that similar to Jim Cornette, Terrell has some legal issues that may prevent her from gaining access to Canada, where TNA will be moving their operation to. It would have seemed like a good idea to know this before booking her into the title match at a show in Canada. But, you know, impact. Eh, Nobody's watching anyways. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated reports that The Rock had something to do with Nia Jax reportedly walking out of the WWE recently. Multiple sources have noted that Jax never actually walked out and that reports of her leave of absence were overblown, but Sports Illustrated insists that Jax did walk out and that she requested the leave of absence after being unhappy with the plan for her to lose clean to Sasha Banks at TLC. Other sources did also report that the plan was for Banks to face Jax at TLC, but it ended up being Banks going over Alicia Fox at the pay-per-view. On a related note, PW Insider reported that Jax was set to film some of the final footage for Total Divas in New York City earlier this month, but she was pulled from that as well. SI reported last week that Jax was unhappy with her pay and with how she's been booked, but that she was expected to work return back to work with WWE that she had leverage due to her her cousin being The Rock. This new report from SI notes that The Rock, I'm sorry, that Jax called The Rock to ask for his advice, and he encouraged her to walk away if she was unhappy. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported last week that the entire situation with Jax was overblown and that there was not much to the story to begin with. The Observer added that Jax had a few weeks off until the European tour began to rest up, as she wasn't figured into any of the top storylines. Sources close to Jax reported to The Observer that reports of her being upset over pay and bookings were completely untrue. Jax has, has not returned to work for WWE, but she did resume tweeting over the weekend, welcoming Asuka to the Raw Women's Division on Sunday during the TLC pay-per-view. She has been confirmed to work the European tour that begins November 1st, but there is no word yet on when she will, if she will return to action before then. Um, so I tend, and I know this is going to be hard for you to to cop to, Troy, but I think you're probably in the same boat as me. I tend to believe Meltzer on this one a little bit more. I I really don't see The Rock helping to organize a walkout on the WWE. Um, hmm, yeah, it pains me a little bit to agree with Tuna Meltzer, but I think that you can you can walk out different ways. And I think that Neville literally said, I quit and walked out. And I think that Nia Jax probably said, I'm upset and I need some time away because you've got nothing for me anyways. And I think that obviously with the fact that Nia Jax is going to be welcomed back, that she probably handled herself a little bit better than, than Neville did in terms of this. And yes, I do believe that if I, I don't think that WWE cares that much that Nia Jax is related to The Rock because Rosie was a superhero in training. True. And I, so, I just have it in my headspace yeah. that Neville told him to kiss his bollocks when he left. And that's Yeah, most likely. Yeah. I really hope that's and, what it was. Yeah. And he has he has the experience and, and the time on the indies to be able to do that. And somebody like Nia Jax, I think, Seems like she's smart enough to know that she hasn't been doing this that long. And, but she also has, she's also in, in the full right to be pissed off about her booking. 
because we spoke about it a couple weeks ago, how pissed off we were that we started this whole thing where she was going to feud with Alexa Bliss. So then all of a sudden she was cool with her again. Mm -hmm. And it's those, and, and that's for the women. It's so much more difficult because creative doesn't give a shit about them. And so most of them have a right to be completely pissed off with the way that, that they're handled. Uh, just look at the fact that Alicia Fox is yet again in a main, main picture again. So yeah, I, I, I completely, I completely agree that I think that Nia Jax didn't walk out so much as said, I need some time away to clear my head and come back for this. All right. Well, following the announcement of Maurice's pregnancy on Raw last month, the former Divas champion revealed the gender of the baby she and Intercontinental Champion The Miz are having at a Halloween-themed gender reveal party in their home at Los Angeles, California on Friday. They are expecting a baby girl. So, Troy, you and The Miz both can't produce boys. But in any event... uh, <laughs> that's true though in other news regarding the it couple of WWE officials are developing an idea for a potential reality tv series that would feature maurice and intercontinental champion the miz the total bella style show would also feature dolph ziggler who is good friends with both miz and maurice in real life pw insider reports that the working title for the series would be the it couple and that singer ryan cabrera would be part of the cast as he's been friends with the miz for several years now troy you've been outspoken as a hater of the total divas slash total bellas movement would you be interested in checking out a reality series regarding the miz and maurice not gonna lie i was with it until you said Dolph ziggler was going to be focused on it i just like the idea of ryan cabrera just randomly fucking popping up for no reason with no explanation i don't know who that is (laughs) i don't either which makes it even funnier that there's this random dude who people they think people know yeah so yeah i was i was with it if it was just the Miz and Maurice, because I think that they are interesting people, and, and I like the Miz a lot. Um, and I still don't fucking know why Maurice is with him. So maybe it would shed a little bit more light into that fact too. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dolph Ziggler being focused again because Dolph Ziggler, even when he's like in his reality show thing, because I have watched a couple episodes of Total Divas, he's still fake Dolph Ziggler on that shit. So he's an actor. Uh, I can't stand his ass. So, yeah, I was with you, and then I was like, mm, not passing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of passing, Kevin Owens passed on the recent South American tour. WWE announced Friday morning that Owens had left Buenos Aires and would not appear at the remaining live events in Argentina and Chile due to, quote, personal reasons. Though Owens did perform at Luna Park for thir- last Thursday's live event in Buenos Aires, he left before the remaining live event dates scheduled for Friday and uh, sorry saturday and sunday owens addressed his absence in a tweet on saturday afternoon as he wrote i'm not sick i'm not hurt my family needed me home thank you to WWE and the fans in argentina and chile for their support and understanding on tuesday owens wife wrote a small update via instagram that read thank you all for the kind messages asking if everything was all right it was one of the toughest weeks of our lives but we are okay now this guy traveled halfway around the world to get back to us and i don't know what i would have done without him best husband and dad we could ever ask for owens provided another message via twitter earlier this week thanking his friends family and wwe peers and his fans for their overwhelming showing of support saying 
quote, the outpouring of support from family, friends, fans, and peers these past few days has been overwhelming. Thank you all. We appreciate it. So not really sure what the issues were that required him to travel back, but it seems like all is well, and we uh, hope that continues to be the case for the Steen family. It was bad enough that he broke character on Twitter. It's true. It's not something he does very often. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, um, I'm glad that WWE didn't punish him for having to go home for a family emergency because it's something they have done in the past. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that everything is okay. Uh, former WWE superstar Davey Boy Smith Jr. helped save a suicidal woman in Calgary on Sunday, crediting his years of grappling and self-defense with being able to save the woman from jumping off a bridge. Smith held the woman down until police arrived. Global News in Canada reports that Calgary police confirmed the incident went down as Smith described. The incident happened at around 9 p.m. on Sunday on westbound 16th Avenue on a bridge over the Bonus Road. The woman was... <laughs> was apprehended on a mental health warrant and taken to a hospital. She later said, I was just fishing and that asshole grabbed me and wouldn't let me up. So. I, I made up that also last heard, part, by the way. Just. I, I know you did. I thought it was like, I was like, <laughs> um, I also heard that she had to be taken to the hospital because Davies Boy Smith actually did a German suplex to her to get her off the bridge believe, uh, and may have broken her neck. I, I believe so. it was a running power slam. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> um he also uh set up for the double team finisher but tyson kidd couldn't get out of his wheelchair oh, for fuck's so. sake. <laughs> he's not in a fucking wheelchair god damn you people like if he was it would be one thing but he's fucking up and moving around and perfectly cognizant I haven't seen him away from Natty's side. I'm pretty sure that she's working him like a fucking puppy. Look at the picture of him fucking, of her diddling Zack Ryder. He's not by her side there, so. Yeah, but that's because he's he's crumpled in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, SmackDown man, general manager Daniel Bryan continues to throw out teasers for his return to the ring. He tweeted the following after Raw general manager Kurt Angle returned to the ring in the TLC main event, saying, quote, there was a time when WWE wouldn't let real Kurt Angle compete. Tonight, he won a pay-per-view main event in a TLC match. And then some thinking emojis. Hashtag, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, I continue to maintain Daniel Bryan will wrestle for WWE again. Troy, do you, has your position changed? I can't remember what my position is. Um, uh, missionary. I'm pretty. <laughs> oh no, not really. No, not really. Um, well, see if you would mix I it actually, up. You might have a boy every now and then. That is true. That is true. Uh, I actually think he's going to resign with WWE pretty soon. So, uh, but as an in-ring competitor or as a on-air character? As yes, I think that he will get back in the okay. ring. All right. I, I think. It, I think at this point, yes, you've got somebody like Kurt who's had what two, three neck surgeries has had numerous health concerns and stuff like that. The fact that he was clear to come back. Obviously, Daniel Bryan as a singles competitor, maybe not. But I think definitely they could use him in a spot like this, like in a tag team match or something like that, something that you can kind of limit his involvement in. But yeah, I think that he's going to wrestle for WWE again. Well, we will see. And hopefully a lot of people uh, agreeing with that sentiment. Um, the Rock sent out a pre-TLC tweet to Hall of Famer Kurt Angle on his return to the ring. Rock ended up firing off a tweet to author and comedian Ben Pabab Pabji. 
go. Pop, pop, pop. go with that. Uh, after he reminded that the great one that pro wrestling is fake, tweeting, Dwayne wrestling isn't real. It's time you knew. The Rock responded, I like the dry wit. Correct. I do, in fact, know that wrestling isn't real. That's why I said, have fun. I also know you can go fuck yourself. And that's what's great nice. about The Rock, because that's the yep. kind of shit no one else can get away with. He can manage to tell you to go fuck yourself while being charming at the same time, and that's something that's exclusive to The Rock. It's such a lame thing to do now, to be like, wrestling's fake. It's so fucking lame. It's Yes, we've heard it before. Yes, we know. It's it's scripted and everything like that. We don't give a fuck. We know it is. Why is it that people are like fucking... Why, why is it that I go to a fucking movie and there's not some asshole going, Die Hard's fake. No, it's fake. You, uh, you, you know that that dude is British and he's not really fighting zombies, right? You know zombies are right. fake, right? Yeah. Yeah, fuck you. Why is it? Why? Why like, do they do that about wrestling? Like we all fucking know we're it. in on the like we're. It's a form yeah. of entertainment. Let's not for, let's not forget. Back in the eighties, that made sense because you had people that believed. Yeah. Completely believed in kayfabe, but now the fucking product itself doesn't even believe in kayfabe. Now the so one guy they, who it's still real to is openly mocked by everybody else. Yeah, and let's not forget the fact that. You know, we we're we're using in like insider terms on TV. Jinder Mahal said he he beat Shinsuke Nakamura clean. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, they don't have a problem talking about the fact that yeah, like we know it's fake. It's, it's supposed to be fake. Like nobody believes it anymore, other than uh, kids. All right. Well, moving on. Yeah. Let's consider this one a cautionary tale. Usually a good shorthand rule to follow, especially in wrestling, is that if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. Take the example of the cautionary tale of Canuck Pro Wrestling. The company sprung up out of seemingly nowhere to advertise shows across the great nation of Canada. Even though the advertising was for shows that were months ahead of time, it seemed like an interesting gambit. It was a promotion running all across Canada, dates in Toronto, Vancouver, and places in between. The talent it was advertising was off the charts, including Dick Togo, Eddie Kingston, Davey Boy Smith Jr., Dalton Castle, and Moose, just to name a few. Uh, Davey Boy Smith had to cancel due to saving people on bridges, however. Um, <laughs> due to litigation. Yeah. It was curious for a few reasons. One of the advertising the shows, sometimes a whole year out. Even WWE very rarely does that, and only for earth-shattering matches like John Cena versus The Rock. Second, the Two. roster seemed like it was all killer, no filler, at least in terms of notoriety. Each match announced felt like it was taken from a TEW game of a game of a person with the most rudimentary knowledge of non-WWE wrestling. It was attempting to be pro wrestling guerrilla in 2017 without realizing that PWG was built upon foundations of being a local indie promotion once upon a time. Anyway, if it smells like a fraud and it looks like a fraud and it sounds like a fraud, it's probably a fraud. Uh, BJ Whitmer was the first to blow it open on Twitter saying, Concerning Canuck Pro, after several unreturned emails, zero travel has been booked for the Ring of Honor talent for the October 21st show in Calgary, and we are currently 16 days out from the show. There's been zero correspondence from Canuck Pro in over a week, and at this point travel must be booked for the ROH talent for our TV taping in Philadelphia. This company is nothing more than a fantasy fed that never planned on running one event. To the talents that have been booked by this guy, I hope you got a deposit. To the few fans that have already purchased tickets to this event, I hope you are able to get your money back. 
Uh, soon wrestlers who were booked started to catch wind of it and a whole bunch of dates for top guys became open. Um, this is the shit that really, as, as somebody who works on the indies, pisses me off for a lot of reasons. Uh, the boys may have very well passed on some bookings expecting this to be there. Like we talked about fans, it gives independent wrestling a bad name for fans in the area. Next time they're going to spend some money, they might not do it at an indie show if they, if they lost money on these tickets. Um, there's a whole bunch of reasons why this is a really fucking shitty thing to do with no real benefit. It's just some dude with, with you know a bunch of wrestlers' phone numbers trying to fuck with them. And it is it, it just absolutely pisses me off, and it sucks. And I can only say that for a professional wrestler, if you're if you're a guy of that caliber that you're you're being booked for an event that large, you're sort of a name for that event. Uh, get yourself a deposit before you agree to any booking, and, and that way you cover yourself from being completely lost for any dates you you don't do on shows like this. Yeah, this also sucks for other like up and coming um you know promotions too because it makes talent a little bit leery when you've only run one or two shows or or have never run a show for them to actually agree to show up so yeah kind of shitty all around and i hope whoever is responsible uh gets fucked in the ass or maybe they already have who knows uh cody rhodes is back at it as the ring of honor world champion has formally invited wwe and the mcmahons to attend the ring of honor event at the austin highway event center in san antonio texas on november 17th one night before the nxt takeover war game special and two nights before survivor series Rhodes issued the invitation in a new video released by ROH on social media to promote their survival of the fittest tour, saying, quote, the company that I used to work for, they ignore all other companies, right? And then they stole all of my dad's ideas. Cody continued, we want everyone to come to our shows, including the McMahons. We're offering free tickets, comp tickets. He would later say that the tickets would actually only be at 10% off because the boys have to get paid. Um... I don't know how I feel about this. I sort of understand why they're doing it. I sort of, I, I mean, I get that it's a work. I get all that. Uh, I just always feel like when you're, you're sort of making where you are feel less than if you need to use somebody else's name to promote it. This is like that, uh, that dude who tried to offer CM Punk a million dollars to come show up at his, at his events. Like, yeah, not only does, does it make the rest of your town look stupid, but also, this just harkens back to Eric Bischoff, you know, challenging Vince McMahon to a match. Yeah, like you know, he's not going to show up. So all you're doing is just trying to create headlines, and you think that it's working, but most people are just going, "Oh man, just fucking shut up!" Like me saying, "Fucking shut up!" <laughs> like, oh, they took all of my dad's things. They own your dad's things. They have full right to use them. Well, it also comes on the okay. heels of him being on Twitter and people asking about them using war games, and he said, "No, no, they." called me and checked and everything was cool i have no issues with it yeah they they own starcade i understand that your dad made that event but you know what your dad didn't book the venue as well as completely do it he didn't do everything for it and guess what he sold it he did it for wcw and then wcw got purchased by WWE, and they have full right to use it. They have full right to use war games, but they were nice enough to ask you about it. You can't be a bitch about one thing and then also be complimentary about the same thing on the other end. They don't need to ask your permission at all because they own it. Moving on. All right. Uh, Jeff Jarrett's personal and professional struggles continued this past weekend as he was scheduled to appear at two RCW events in Calgary and Edmonton, Alberta. 
While he did show up in Calgary on October 20th and ended up wrestling a match, observers noted that he was in absolutely no shape to wrestle. Jarrett then backed out of his scheduled appearance in Edmonton on, November, on October 21st and took a flight out of Canada that morning. The Facebook account for RCW had shared this on their page, saying, The former NWA world champion Jarrett was scheduled to appear at both shows, and on October 20th, Double J made his debut with RCW at Final Stand YYC. But his personal demons became very apparent as the night went on, with Jarrett seemingly more and more intoxicated as the show progressed. By the time of his main event match, Jarrett had stumbled down to ringside well past his cue and put on one of the worst matches ever to take place at Calgary Legion No. 1, during which many fans packed up and left before the closing bell. The next morning, Jarrett would have his flight changed and leave the country prior to his scheduled appearance in Edmonton on October 21st. More details will be covered later in the week, but on behalf of the WGD, I would like to wish Jeff Jarrett the best of luck during this dark hour. In something that seemed to be related, it was two days later announced that Impact had terminated their business relationship with Jeff Jarrett and his Global Force Entertainment Company. This comes after Jarrett's indefinite leave of absence was announced back in September. For those wondering whether Jarrett's behavior this weekend had anything to do with Impact's announcement yesterday, uh, that they were severing ties with him, the answer appears to be no. The decision for Impact to end their working relationship with Jarrett and GFW was made before the weekend and was completely just waiting to announce it on Monday. Nick Hausman of Wrestling Zone reached out to Jarrett for comment about his termination earlier this week, to which Jarrett simply replied, quote, Anthem is out of money. Anthem sent Hausman the following response to Jarrett's claim, the statement is inaccurate. Anthem and Impact Wrestling are looking forward to a successful six-day tour in Ottawa, November 5th through 10th, and much more. On today's Impact Wrestling media call, Josh Matthews stated that there has been talk of Bound for Glory airing on the Global Wrestling Network app. He also noted that Bound for Glory will air on Spike in the UK the following Monday, less than 24 hours after its original airing. Um, so if you're in uh, the UK, why the fuck would you buy the pay-per-view? Yeah, pretty much. It seems like really poor business planning. But again, impact. Um, so your thoughts on Jeff Jarrett, Troy? My favorite part about that is even if he was stone cold sober, he still would be in no condition to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. All right. Uh, it's a bummer because, um, you know, he's a piece of shit. But I also don't wish addiction on anybody. So he needs to he needs to get help. And he's he continues to do this whole thing where like he's very petty and his whole thing they're out of money that's why they sever ties with us no man they, they sever ties with you because you're fucking you're high all the time and you're you're taking advantage of them and they realize that and they got rid of you and you're too fucking self-righteous to understand the fact that you need help a lot of it like now because you're gonna die like you've watched your friends die stop that's it. All right. Uh, and, and, you know, again, sort of similar to what we touched on earlier with the, the Connect Pro thing. Um, you know, fans put down hard money to watch you perform. Go out and give them a fucking show. They deserve it. You want to get high and drunk after the show? By all means, you know, I know what the boys put their bodies through and I sort of, you know, equate it to what, you know, EMTs and shit, you know, whatever you have to deal with, with the shit you have to do and see on a regular basis. Uh, whatever you need to do to get through it, as long as when you're on the job, you're straight and ready to fucking do your job. Uh, and this is a problem, and it's again gives wrestling a bad rep, gives gives former WWE stars a bad rep. 
Uh, and it's just generally a bad look for anybody. So just keep your shit together while you're in front of the public, you know? Uh, not to mention this this pushed other guys down the card because yep. he was the main event. So you can't you you took time away from other guys. You took spots away from other guys. But also, the time after the show was done, it's also a good time for those young guys to get to get some merchandise in people's hands and and to you know do some meet and greets after the show and and make some new fans. And if those fans are leaving because your drunk ass can't fucking put on a show, they're gonna miss out on some of those. I'll guys. do you one better, Troy. You've got a bunch of young guys in that locker room who were probably excited at the notion that they were gonna get to sort of sit under Jared's learning tree. This is a guy yeah. who's been WWE, WCW. And this is the impression they get of him. This is this is yeah. what he's telling them is okay for a star in this business to act like, and mm-hmm. it's just it's generally just really shitty conduct. Oh yeah, agreed. Uh, but speaking of addiction, former WWE Divas Champion Caitlyn, aka Celeste Bonin, who recently she recently revealed that she was training for an in-ring return, went public with her recent drug addiction issues on a post on Instagram this past week. Bonin noted that it's been one year since she checked herself into the hospital for detox. It appears she was battling issues with prescription painkillers. She also mentioned abusing alcohol, but recent posts on her Instagram would indicate that she is still drinking. You can check out her full post on her drug issues on Instagram. Uh, We certainly here at The Rundown would like to wish her well in her recovery and hope uh, everything goes well and continues to be a clean life for one Celeste Bonin, who we've talked about in the past, I've always been a big fan of. It's uh, This one kind of took me by surprise, too, because normally, you know, people who are bodybuilders, um, you know, generally are really good about, you know, what they put in their bodies. Obviously, there are some that will turn to steroids and stuff like that, but Usually you don't hear too much about, you know, like the painkiller prescription drugs and stuff like that with it. But obviously everybody, anybody, anybody can have addiction problems. Um, Well, bodybuilding is a big part of pro wrestling and we know there's a lot of addiction issues there. So, yeah. But also, you know, she's, she's very into fitness right now too. And, you know, so typically you think that they're, she's trying to live a little bit cleaner and, uh, it's it's a bummer too because you know that if she probably didn't get into pro wrestling, she probably wouldn't have the body aches and pains that caused her to start taking prescription medication in the first place. And that's typically how these kinds of things start: is you know things get kind of passed around to the back. Oh, you, you're you know it's it's fine. You know we've got three more shows this week. Just just pop a couple of these and 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 you'll work it out and. It just kind of snowballs from there, and, and that, that sucks. So um, thankfully, I think that her being right now away from it and also trying to get back into the wrestling world will maybe give her a little bit more of a boost to you know try to get clean and stay that way too. So, But she took a first, big first step, so good on her. All right, well, that is going to do it for the news desk for this week. Now we move on to all the goings-on in the independent world of professional wrestling in places where we are. And places where we are getting uh, a good amount of fans, too. I recently reached out to another indie fed about, about potentially joining our indie dates here, where we've got a large contingent of, of our listeners. Um, nothing announced yet on their end, but uh, look for that soon if you are in the Wichita, Kansas area. But... Uh, and I know this is going to pain you because this is the last time I'm going to be able to read about DOA Pro Wrestling's Halloween Hysteria. If you are in the Portland, Oregon area, check out DOA Pro Wrestling's Halloween Hysteria 
Saturday, October 28th. Oh, all right. I just got... Uh, all right. In a clash of arguably the two best wrestlers in the Pacific Northwest, DOA Grand Champion Ethan HD versus former champion Mike Santiago in a no-count-out, no-DQ, and no-time-limit match. Uh, no word yet if Johnny Analog has joined in this <laughs> one yet, but we're waiting on him. Uh, Johnny VGA. That's right. It's a super clash of the crazy versus the weird and a Halloween hysteria co-main event as the unholy duo of Dr. Luther and, and the Devil Drexel take on the weirdo hero Ravenous Randy and the warlord of weird Sin Bode. DOA Pure Championship three-way dance as the champion Julian Wyatt takes on HBQ Quiz and CJ Edwards. Get a new fucking name. DOA uh, Hollywood Hysteria say that about you... a lot of these guys, Troy. <laughs> I know. It's, it's independent wrestling, though. Uh, this exactly. is why we love it. DOA Halloween Hysteria brings you a battle of the brawlers as the Lion of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I, I almost flipped his initials there. Uh, Wade Hess will take on the former gentleman, but always a brawler, Eric Wright. More matches announced in upcoming days. I doubt it because it's this weekend. Advanced tickets available now at doaprowrestling.com slash tickets. $15 VIP front row, $12 general admission, $8 for the kids. Tickets day of the show are $3 more and cash only. No credit cards. Jason. Yes. What's going on at APW? LAPW uh, returns to action this Saturday, October 28th at the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley as we present another great night of wrestling action. Our new APW heavyweight champion, Champagne Joe Moakley, will make his first appearance since stealing the title from John Poe. The APW New England Championship will be defended in a fatal four-way as bitter Buddy Romano takes on the Sheik Abdullah Hassan, Tita, and the Liberator of Souls, Hassan Wicker. APW Tag Team Championship will be contested in a five-team gauntlet match as the Maine State Posse defend the titles in a gauntlet, including the Hampton Beach Bad Boy Hunter Ward and his partner, Robo the Punjabi Lion, Cousin Larry and Bugsy Stone, Slam Dance Tim Lennox and his partner Ike, and debuting stars from the South, the Hype Chris Henry and Ryan Walker. APW Women's Championship going to be on the line as Adira defends the title against Isana. Adira, of course, will have Uncle Eddie in her corner. Former APW champion, the juggernaut John Poe, looks for revenge when he takes on perfectly fit Dan Terry, also with Uncle Eddie. The selfie-made king, Vern Vicalo, defends against APW Grand Slam champion, the unequaled one, Todd Sopel. The Gilbonk Memorial winner, Dynamite Danny Miles, takes on Toto Loco, making his APW debut. The women's tag team champ—I'm sorry, women's tag team match will take place as Belmont and Vanity Vixen, two former women's champions, takes on the Duchess Aizali and Skyler, making their APW debuts. Also appearing. We will have uh, the Canadian legend Matt Louder with Matt Loudon with John Cena Senior, Apocalypse, and many, many more. With tickets are twelve dollars at the door. Advanced tickets are ten dollars. Reserved front row seats fifteen dollars. Tickets are available at AtlanticProWrestling.com/products or at the door the day of the show. Doors open at six p.m. with a six thirty p.m. bell time. And I'm personally excited for this one, Troy, as it will mark my return to the commentary booth as I'll be back calling the action for APW on Saturday night. Awesome. And for you well, four no longtime rundown fans, Adam is uh, Adam is also there as the ring announcer in APW. So, but we'll both be in the house that night. Who? Uh, so, no word on what's going on in the Upper Merrimack Valley. But I did have a question for sure. you. Um, did 
did Vern upgrade himself? Because I thought he was a selfie-made he man. He is the selfie-made man, but last month he won the APW Road to Royalty Tournament to become the Ooh. king of APW, and now he's referring to himself as the selfie-made king. Awesome. Good to yeah. hear. Vern, Vern former, if, former guest of the sit-down, doing well. There you go. If you are in my neck of the woods, specifically the Milwaukee area, ICW returns on October 29th for TLC Insanity at La Pica Lounge. <laughs> On 35th and Lincoln, on the south side of Milwaukee. Doors open at 3.30 p.m. with a 4 p.m. bell time, and all seating is $15. ICW is Milwaukee's only R-rated pro wrestling show, so make sure to not bring the kitties. The ICW World Championship will take place. The ICW World title will be defended in a TLC match as the Greek god GQ Giannis takes on Stacy Shadows in an inter- intergender match. And for that title, we'll have a number one contenders match for whoever wins that title. We'll face either the Jet Joey Avalon or No Mam leader Mac. We also have a first blood match between High Class Mo Foley and Pitstain. <laughs> Every time. A personal favorite of Jason's. Every time makes me laugh. Former Rundown Sit Down guest Fabled One Aesop Mitchell will take on Dysfunction in a Lego Madness match. I have yet to figure out what the fuck that is. It's like a. It's like a um thumbtack situation except instead of thumbtacks you use legos because they hurt like hell oh there you go there you go asked and answered the icw midwest champion sean priest puts his title on line against the riot starter vinnie riot also booked drug-free jack blackwell will take on pitbull zach mcgowan mcguire the kid vinnie's oh i said mcgowan jeez yeah. i must have the fucking one-legged guy in my head yeah pitbull zach <laughs> mcguire i'm sorry pitbull the kid vinnie scarponi will take on the shooter Scott Marciano, NAICW Tag Team Champion Sierra will take on No Ma'am member Tyler Sunday. Jacob Hoffman will also face Cato. Not to go. On. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna go through all. Yeah, that. I didn't either. Uh, <laughs> uh, and if you are in the West Alice area, which is also kind of close to Milwaukee, but you know, go to both shows. Fuck it. Bruce City Wrestling presents Thanksgiving Throwdown on Friday, November 17th at the Columbus Club in West Allis. Bell time is 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 6.45 p.m. Tickets are $20 front row, $18 general mission at the door, and $16 using PayPal on BruceCityWrestling1.com. And you could run into Already Aaron s- Rodgers because he's got nothing else to do these days. He's back in California, first <laughs> off. Uh, Already signed Evil Sierra will take on Blue Phoenix, Vanessa Azor. High Octane, Onyx Andretti, Max Holiday, and Russ Jones, known as the Brew City Saints, take on the Heathens, Tokyo Monster Kahagas, and Hardcore Impact, who are the BCW Tag Team Champions. More Fandemonium matches announced soon. Go to BrewCityWrestling1.com or follow them on Twitter at BCW1 or check out their Facebook page. Jason. Yeah, once again, UFO Wrestling is back with its annual Thanksgiving Eve event featuring the Turkey Rumble as we present Harvest Havoc 2017 on Wednesday, November 22nd at 7 p.m. This event is a fundraiser for the venue it will be held at, the Titan Community Center. Matches announced so far, the main event for the UFO Heavyweight Championship, the Kingpin Brian Malonis defends the title against the Dynasty Bo Douglas in a no-countout, no-DQ match 
Evan Six takes on Aaron Amadeus and Tim Lennox, Mr. Slam Dance himself. Uh, Ilya Markopoulos and Christian Casanova team up to take on Channing Thomas and the returning Carlos Gabriel. Furio Falcone takes on Osiris. The cool people will make their first defense of the UFO Tag Team Championship against the team of Picture Perfect, Perfectly Fit Dan Terry and the Selfie-Made Man Vern Vicalo. Dave Yan takes on Belmont. Benny Jux has issued an open challenge for a fatal four-way. Adira makes her UFO wrestling debut against Luscious Latasha. And the Turkey Rumble features the following competitors so far announced. Channing Thomas, Connor Tice, the Castle Island Assassin, Sully Banger, King Leon VI, Ike, and the SOG, (laughs) Ronnie Ribs. More matches to be announced soon. Front row seats are $15 in advance and $20 at the door. General admission is $10 in advance and $15 at the door. Reserve your tickets safe and securely through the friends and and family feature on PayPal at paypal.me slash Patrick Dillon. Title it Havoc. You can search for UFO Wrestling on Facebook for more info. But that is not all for UFO Wrestling as that same weekend we will be back in action with Black Friday on Friday, November 24th at 7 p.m. from the Belltime Club Training Center in Wakefield, Mass. That is 40 Broadway Street, Wakefield, Mass, to be exact. The UFO show is back. The annual Black Friday show is presented this year by the Belltime Club. Tickets are $10 general admission, and if you purchase a general admission ticket to Harvest Havoc, you can purchase a Black Friday ticket for just $5. So far, the only announcement we have is that the self he made man Vern Vicalo will get his title shot that he earned almost a year ago prior to his injury. His opponent will be determined by the main event at Harvest Havoc. Lucky Pro is off until 2018. Liberty States Wrestling returns to Peabody on Saturday, December 18th. We'll have more information on that show in the coming weeks. Obviously, nothing is booked. Currently. And I saw what you did and there during those things. The reality is he's only the king at APW, and everywhere else he's still just a selfie-made man. Oh, well, he needs to have consistency then. Well, he's only the king in one place. Well, he should be the king everywhere. It's like, you know, if... Uh, what are we going to say? King. Go ahead. King is still a king if he goes down to fucking river. He's, he's still a king. Ahmed Johnson goes. wasn't even Ahmed Johnson when he went to WCW. It was Big T. Well... That's a little different. Cody right. Rhodes well, is even Cody Rhodes in Ring of Honor. Yeah, I suppose. Well, that's legal reasons. <laughs> I change it back. Don't worry, <laughs> you're fine. And that is it for the rundown for this Wednesday, October twenty fifth, two thousand seventeen. It has been sixty seven queef filled days <laughs> since Natalia won the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. <laughs> oh god! Uh, At least those have gotten more interesting since Adam left. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's, nobody cares how many days it's been since Brock Lesnar was a champion. Follow us on Twitter, at Rundown Podcast, where you can see Adam still tries to give a shit about wrestling. <laughs> Go to Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling to like us on Facebook. Email the show at RundownWrestling at gmail.com, which is what Sal did this week. Leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967. That's 61 Rundown 7. You can say whatever you want on the voicemail, and we'll play yeah. it. You can tell us all to suck dick, and we will play that shit on air. And then we will suck dick. <laughs> that would, we we would are definitely on, be testing the limits of Skype on that one. That is true. Head over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. 
Currently, there's just one reward level, the Rundowner, which for $5 a month grants you one patron-only episode when we decide to record it. Check out my other show, The Slash Sanitary, if you're a fan of horror. And listen to our friends, The Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing. With new podcasts Mondays and Thursdays. Also go to Facebook.com slash the WPAN for more information. Check out our new friend Justin Michaels on his new show Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. Subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast if you haven't done that already to hear our other shows NXT Revisited whenever I get back to doing that. The Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, because I'm still planning on finishing that eventually, and the Nitromania Podcast, which I will actually be a guest on next week. Yeah, I heard there's a lot of prep work that went into that. Oh, far too much, far too much. And most of it, it was just fuck Jimmy Hart. <laughs> um, well, I certainly look forward to that then. Oh, yeah. That's probably going to be my main contribution to the show. So <laughs> if you like hearing me hearing me yell fuck Jimmy Hart, <laughs> tune in to that. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Jason. Thank you, Troy. Thanks to Ray Williams for the logo. And thank you again to Jason for a new theme song. Next week, we bring you more shit. And who knows who will be a king by that time? That's true. Maybe I will. I'm going to put my money on Pitstain. King Pitstain. Um, I'll, I'll reach out to him. Tell him that gimmick's available. Absolutely. We will be back next week. See ya next Thursday. Bye-bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by Troy Bozen and Jason Stewart. I guess we're a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network? Check out all of their shows, including their other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast, a show about tacos, something involving anime, and some other shit at questonnetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.